77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Ahead of Saturday's South Carolina Republican primary, as Caitlin Huey Burns reports, former President Trump is counting on a victory that he hopes will end the race. Donald Trump back in the Palmetto State and confident ahead of Saturday's Republican primary against South Carolina's own Nikki Haley. She's down by 30, 35 points, and everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen. She just can't get herself to get out. Dropping out would be the easy route. I've never taken the easy route. Some voters here who once supported Trump want to turn the page. I just think we just need to move on and and we need something new. It's our right to, to vote for who we feel like is the best candidate uh, for the job. And for me, it's Nikki Haley. But others are eager to give Trump a second term. Do you think Nikki Haley has any shot here? No. If it wasn't for Trump running, I think she would probably be the choice. And the Trump campaign projects the former president will have enough delegates to officially win the party's nomination by mid-March. But meanwhile, Haley's donors are keeping her campaign alive. She raised $11.5 million last month, pushing her on to Super Tuesday on March 5th. So a Biden was on Capitol Hill. It was the president's brother. James Biden went behind closed doors for a congressional deposition about allegations concerning the finances of President Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. Republicans, as you know, are investigating whether the Biden family allegedly profited from Joe Biden's time in office. The White House, of course, and the president himself flatly deny it. James Biden, the president's brother, saying, quote, I never asked my brother to take any official action on behalf of me, my business, or anyone else. Republicans have been pushing this for quite some time up on the Hill, and we just learned that the star witness, Alexander Smirnoff, has been charged for lying. And this is what prosecutors contend. Quote, Smirnoff admitted that officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story about Hunter Biden. Smirnoff has been actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections. President Biden is considering issuing an executive order to restrict asylum at the U.S.-Mexico border. It is similar to what former President Trump did in 2018, citing broad authority to restrict border crossings. I don't know, are the ice cream shops closed in California? Maybe he didn't have anything to do. You know, as you pointed out, he could have done this when things started getting out of control three years ago. So now he's desperate. The Democratic Party's desperate. Um, Biden... You know, this is his big deficit right now. It's neck and neck with inflation. Biden doesn't want to fix the border. The progressives like the open border. They can they feel they'll prosper from uh, foreign nationals streaming in here in the future. That's what it's all about. There's no way on earth that this should be happening. There's no rational reason to allow more than 10 million foreign nationals unsupervised in the country and bankrupting local municipalities in the process. New York City is going to be bankrupt because of this. They're now going to pay migrants $15,000 a year. They don't have the money. Mayor Eric Adams facing tough questions on what he's doing to fix the migrant situation as there's been another clash between migrants and NYPD officers. Good day, New York's Lizette Nunez with the latest. Lizette? The mayor says that past administrations have placed limits on how the city can interact with ICE, but given these recent violent attacks against police officers, well, the mayor wants to do more about this and also make sure that those individuals are taken off New York City streets. 
streets. This video posted on TikTok shows migrants throwing items at police officers inside the Randall's Island tent shelter. Investigators say last week there was an argument between a migrant and security guard. Officers attempted to remove the migrant, and that's when objects were thrown at officers. The mayor was also asked questions about the controversial prepaid debit card plan for 500 migrant families. The city issued a $53 million no-bid contract to a firm to help administer this pilot program. The mayor says migrants will be given $13 a day for food and baby products. It's supposed to go to only food and baby supplies. If it's abused, we would take those cards away. So the mayor was also asked how the city planned on keeping tabs on migrants to ensure that the money doesn't go to other things besides food and baby products. The mayor didn't have a clear answer on that. But he says if this program is successful, then they plan on expanding it to even more migrant families. The Mets are not that good. I mean... I, I think their pitching stinks. After the after his side session yesterday, he came in and you know experienced some arm fatigue, uh, so he's staying inside and we're taking a look at him. The trainers are taking a look at him. I just mean like in house or an MRI or. We'll see. We got to get with the trainers because that was that was late. Obviously, um, I got to get more information. But um, he he got on the mound yesterday and today he came in and you know just overall arm fatigue.
come on, baby. What better way to start off your Thursday morning with your favorite talk show, not just in New York City, but anywhere in the country than Def Leppard. You animal, you. You animal. At 6.10 on your dark and early Thursday morning. I, I love Def Leppard, man. Doesn't matter what song it is, hysteria, photograph, rock of ages, animal, why are they so good, Lou? You, I can actually answer because I looked at the video of this a while ago. and How old is this song? Like 30 years old, right? Uh, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, more. Yeah, because it was before I started work with Imus, I remember this, I think. Eh, maybe not. I don't know. But when you're a band, and as I watched the video, of course, we re- remember um, it was Rick. Is it Rick Allen? Rick Allen, the one-armed drummer. And he's you, a great artist too. And you see him playing like that. Amazing in the video. Right? Yeah. When you're a, if you're a band playing this music and your drummer can get in an accident and lose his arm and that then keep playing. Not miss a beat. Not miss a beat. Yeah, yeah. Playing this song have there have pedal systems for him so that he can keep playing. That's a band that does not stop. That's more, a band. So more impressive for you, Lou, because we'll get to the Kodai Senga story. That's how Justin Ellick ended today's Open. You're a big sports guy. You know a lot about sports. More impressive for you. Rick Allen playing the drums. Oh, this is, this is, I could sense it'll be tough already. This will be a tough one. Very tough. <laughs> I'll even let uh, Noam chime in. He's a pretty good sports guy. Rick Allen playing the drums for Def Leppard, one arm short, or Jim Abbott pitching a no-hitter Tough one. for the Yanks. Tough one. And you have to remember how, how he did it, too, pitching Jim yes. Abbott. It was amazing and to how watch. And how he fielded the baseball. Unbelievable. And threw it the first base. And he just, he would get his glove off. Yes. Back onto his... Unbelievable! It was an unbelievable. Did you ever see? This? Even no? even at it's Michigan, a slam dunk. I remember him at Michigan doing all those types of things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jim Abbott, slam dunk for you, Noam. What do you yeah, get? Slam dunk, Jim Abbott. No, yeah. Jim Abbott. About okay, it. I say Jim Abbott yeah. too. That's it was or how about this? Let's stick with Abbott or Greg Abbott governing Texas in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Greg Abbott, man. That guy's got a set of balls that if Eric Adams had, he'd be uh, killing Andrew Cuomo right now. But he doesn't. So anyway, uh, that is uh, Def Leppard. So he did end the Open. You heard Christopher Mad Dog Russo on this show a couple of days ago saying the Mets are not very good. And he said, quote, their pitching stinks. So you look back at last year's Mets. For example, Justin Verlander was there opening day. Feels like a hundred years ago, right, Lou? He was here opening day. That's it. Does it does feel like right? not too long ago? Yeah, it seems like he's been here, gone, back, and gone again. Only that's, once. That's, that's weird. He, he went six and five for the Mets. Ended up back in Houston a year ago today. Max Scherzer was on the Mets. He went nine and four for the Mets. Ended up in Texas. But the guy that led the Mets in wins last year on a team that was 12 games under 500 was Kodai Senga. And the, uh, the rookie out of Japan, believe it or not, went 12 and 7 on a bad baseball team and even more impressively threw to a 2.98 ERA. 
So when you look at the 2024 depth chart for the Mets, and just so you know, both the Mets and the Yankees start their spring training baseball games two days this Saturday. The Mets take on the Cardinals. The Yankees take on the Tigers. What you're looking at for the Mets right now is Senga, Jose Quintana, Sean Manet, Tyler McGill, okay, cool, and former Yankee Luis Severino. I like it. That is a horrendous <laughs> pitching staff. So imagine that pitching staff without the aforementioned 12-7 and 7 Kodai Senga. <laughs> now you're really in trouble. So now... You heard there from Mets skipper Carlos Mendoza. First year, they fired Buck Showalter. Senga already has some shoulder issues. What? He's got pitching fatigue, and we're in March. He's tired now. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't even had a drink at St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yeah. So the Mets are already in trouble. Now, remember, and and you you could think back to when Buck was here. Buck was here, and then Max Scherzer comes on the team. Yes. And you're looking at the Mets thinking, look at this, man. They have got some supreme beings now on their oh, team. They're going to World mow. Series. They're going to mow. They are going to get right into October. you got November. Buck Showalter. you got Verlander <laughs> and Scherzer. Scherzer. And Senga. Just to see Scherzer in the dugout. I like, know. With his stare and marching up and down. And he was, uh, uh, you know, he he led the pitchers' meetings. And he was, like, almost in charge. And everybody was frightened of him. And then you saw he just became a shell out there. A shell. Oh. And he didn't want to be here. You know who actually loved Max Scherzer? Bernie. My late great partner, Bernard McGurk, because he loved all the antics on the mound, all the crazy stuff that Scherzer would do. Not that Bernie was a diehard baseball fan by any stretch. I mean, he was a Met fan, but, you know, not really. (laughs) But he loved Max Scherzer. So the uh, the Mets already having issues. We'll talk to Joe Beningo, WFAN legend Joe Beningo. He's coming up at 740. Pretty good week. You have Chris Russo and Joe Beningo on sitting friends. Bro. How is this happening again, <laughs> <Yeah>. bro? bro. <laughs> but here's my favorite no. story of the day. And when I say favorite story, it's maybe favorite's the wrong word because somebody died. So if you don't know this story, there's a young lady, a young woman, attractive, mother, and she lives, I think, in Queens. If I'm wrong about this, no one will correct me. But she worked out of a hotel. So... I guess you kind of figured out what this lady did. So one day in this hotel, some animals showed up, and um, I guess sex wasn't enough. If they even got to that part, I don't even know. And this guy goes crazy, takes an iron that's inside the hotel room, bashes this woman's head in so badly that they found pieces of the iron, metal from the iron embedded in her head. She died, obviously. So now they're looking for this killer. So it turns out that this killer is in Arizona. And they find him. But the district attorney in Arizona, his name is Mitchell, says, we're not giving you back this guy. Because if we give you back this guy... Your DA in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, is such a pussy, such a coward, such a liberal piece of garbage that this guy will probably walk. So we're not giving him back. We are not going to extradite this guy who committed this grotesque 
heinous murder in New York City. So let me just say this. I agree with the Phoenix DA Mitchell. I despise Alvin Bragg. Every day we've got examples of derelict of duty. Now, Bragg has already fired back. He's angry. He's mad. Who is this guy? Bring this guy back to New York. He committed the crime here. Who's this guy, Mitchell? But I think Mitchell is right. And anybody who embarrasses the Manhattan DA in public, I believe, deserves some type of award. Uh, what part of that story did I get wrong or right, Noam? Give me the latest. You have it all right, except it is a woman. The Maricopa County attorney is Rachel Mitchell. Oh, she's a woman. Okay. Do you want to hear what she sounded like? Yes, I do. This is what she sounded like yesterday. Having observed uh, the treatment of violent criminals in the New York area by the Manhattan DA there, Alvin Bragg, I think it's safer to keep him here and keep him in custody. Yeah. Yeah, she sounds great. I love her. I love her. Rachel Mitchell, right? That's right. So do you have any audio of Alvin Bragg firing back? Supposedly he got pissed off. He did. Uh, I don't know that there's any audio out there, but the office said that they're deeply disturbed that D.A. Mitchell's playing a political game in the murder investigation. That was their exact wording. Good for Mitchell. You know, it's kind of like when Adams takes the Texas governor task. Meantime, the Texas governor's a hero. All these New York guys that are failing in their jobs, and ladies, whether it's Eric Adams, the mayor, and I like him, you know that. Uh, whether it's the DA Alvin Bragg, whether it's that repulsive, racist Attorney General Letitia James, they're all failures, all of them. So whether it's Mitchell in Phoenix, Abbott in Texas, DeSantis in Florida, they get it right. In New York, we get nothing right. How do I know that? Here's how I know, Kathy Hochul, you dumb biatch. Everyone's leaving. Everybody. I was just at the airport a couple of weeks ago going to and coming home from Israel. Every flight to Miami, to Fox Lauderdale, to Palm Beach, packed. Not a seat at the gate. They can't wait to get the hell out of here. And I got to be honest. When I go down to see my friend President Trump in two weeks at Mar-a-Lago, I know if the four or five days down there, I'm going to struggle. Do I really want to go back? And I, I, know, I, I, I love my job. I love John Margot Chad. I love this job. I can't believe how well this thing has gone and the intrinsic value I get every day walking the streets of New York when people thank me every day. Subway, ferry, walking the streets, they thank me. I've got a beautiful home. I live in a great neighborhood in Bell Harbor. But, but, I work in the city. I see the gross city every day. And you go to Florida, you just don't see it. So these people can get as aggravated as they want. But the proof is they're leaving. If it was so great here, right, Norm, if it was so great they wouldn't be leaving in record numbers by the thousands every month. Oh, it's a couple hundred thousand since the pandemic. That's how many people have left the city. So how could Hochul or Adams or any one of these people possibly say that we're doing great, that, that people love New York? How could they say that? I mean, even John Katsimatidis, you would kill to have his life. He complains. Bill O'Reilly, you would kill to have his life. He complains. I don't know anybody, 
anyone, wealthy, wealthy people who don't complain about New York. No one's going, ah, you guys got it all wrong. It's great here. Nobody. Maybe Corey Selnick, that's it. <laughs> I, haven't heard, he, I haven't heard from Corey. He's, he's just happy one. going to Nick games, and he's just happy. But <laughs> but listen, even Corey's beautiful wife, Jessica, walking on the Upper East Side a couple of years ago, got attacked on the streets. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, Noah, but all these New York politicians that are quick to get mad at Mitchell and Abbott and DeSantis, they're all going to their states. What the F are you doing? No. Yeah, well, look, day-to-day life, right? You even had that Gucci store in the meatpacking district. 12 noon, these guys go in. They rob the place. You go to your CVS. You watch people shoplifting. Uh, you hear, you know people that have had crimes committed against them. It wasn't that way a decade ago. It just wasn't. They no. just, uh, I think the uh, a, a person who uh, had the hate crime against the Asian woman was just sentenced yesterday, too, I believe. And the two got, remember the outside and the two doormen had closed the door. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys got fired, actually, but they just sentenced, uh, the perpetrator to that. And the woman I saw interviewed last night, the Asian woman, and she says she's getting her life back. Physically, she seems okay, but mentally, she no, said, I a have mess. a long way to go. I mean, yeah. she was struck so many times right outside this, uh, hotel, I believe. I mean, just out of the blue. <laughs> just, it's just unbelievable. Insane. No, I know. In fact, we're going to talk to Bill White coming up in about 20 minutes. Far and away, my favorite homosexual. And uh, he moved from Buckhead, Georgia, to Florida to be closer to Trump. Everybody is moving to get closer to Trump. Sean Hannity moved to Florida to get closer to Trump. You know, uh, same thing here with um, with Bill White. And um, he said, look, he just texted me. He's coming out at 645. I'm looking out my window at Mar-a-Lago. It's a beautiful morning. The American flag is waving. You see, here's the difference. Everybody I talk to that relocated from New York to Florida gives me the same answer. It goes like this. I can't believe I ever lived in New York. I swear to God, nobody goes, I'm the only moron. Seriously. It's like those old uh, school, you know, school rock commercials. Well, one guy jumped up in the interjection commercial. <laughs> Hooray! Yeah, I'm, the only, right, I'm the only moron going north. There's 10,000 cars going south, but I'm going north because I miss the energy of the city. I want to be a big star, which I've done, by the way. Everybody else goes south, and they go, I don't know how I ever lived in New York, including Bill White. They all say that. It looks like Sid knows something we don't. Maybe we should all turn around, too. What do you think? Yeah. Wow. Or Sid's just a moron. No, or Sid, he's, he can be both, though, maybe. Moron, and he knows something. But you're still, you're still Bill White's favorite homosexual. Yes. Right. I, think, I think he wears that T-shirt, too. Sid Rosenberg's favorite homosexual. Well, the, the, uh, the mayor did speak yesterday. And uh, leave it to Mayor Eric Adams to take a victory lap when you come in last. He was taking a victory lap on how he's handled the migrant crisis. We're now just two days away from the big showdown in South Carolina. That is anything but a big showdown. Donald Trump is killing Nikki Haley. I had a big dinner last night at Rosanna Scotto's Fresco Restaurant in New York City. We got plenty of sports, personal stories, all of it going to be a great show. Plus, Bill White, Curtis Sliwa, Joe Beningo, Bill O'Reilly, 
Michael Goodwin, and more. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Sitting friends in the morning on a Thursday morning. Keep it right here. Thursday morning. Hello. I like this song. So my good buddy Keith Kantrowitz last night between Fresco and Club ZZ, and he's got me uh, floor tickets for the Nick game on Monday night. So I'm excited about that. And then next Wednesday, I'm supposed to go with Pete Morgan and Joe Tacopina to the Ranger game. As the uh, New York Winter Sports continue to be exciting here. I know the Mets and Yankees are getting ready to go, and, you know, you got the draft for football coming up in April. But the winter sports, especially the Knicks and the Rangers, no disrespect, Joe, to your Devils or the Islanders, the Nets are terrible. The Knicks and the Rangers are uh, kind of exciting. So, anyway, got uh, dates at the Garden coming up two days next week. And then I get a text yesterday from a very, very lovely woman. I mean, really lovely. Her name is Margot Martin, and she happens to run President Trump's office. So here's what you need to know before I get back to know. Once Trump wipes the floor with doucheface Nikki Haley on Saturday, if she sticks around and she says she is, March 5th is Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, 30% of the Democrat delegates 
36% of Republican delegates are accounted for. There are 15 states. The polls that are out now don't have Nikki Haley winning even one of those 15 states. No surprise when you consider this Saturday South Carolina is her own state. She's down by about 33 points. So she is set to lose all 15 states on Super Tuesday, March the 5th. Some of those states, North Carolina, Tennessee, she's down by, you ready for this? Not 30, not even 40. 60 points. 60. This is an ass-whipping we haven't seen since Mike Tyson knocked out Michael Spinks in 30 seconds. This is a serious ass-beating. But this uh, idiot is uh, still sticking around. That's fine. But the point is, on or about March the 19th, Donald Trump will already have all the delegates he needs to officially wrap up the Republican nomination. It'll be over by March 19th. So I get this text from Margot Martin in Trump's office yesterday, and it reads, he says, uh, hey, Sid, want to let you know we'll be able to put a book, I should say, we'll be able to book President Trump on your show for the week of March 18th. Thank you for your patience, and just send me some days and times that week. That'll work. So it's official. President Trump will be back on this show the week of the 18th. And the reason why that's great is, A, like I just explained to you, he'll already be the official nominee at that point. And the week before that, March the 12th, I head down to Mar-a-Lago, where I'll do three shows from Miami and head to Mar-a-Lago for the Scott Lobato movie, Relentless Patriot, Wednesday night, and then uh, possibly, if not probably, have lunch with President Trump that Thursday. So a lot of Sid and Trump coming up the next couple of weeks on this show. So if you love President Trump like I do, you're really going to love Sid and Friends in the Morning. A lot of President Trump. Oh, no, you're excited, Lou. Never enough, Sid. There's never enough. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Those points don't even begin to say the story. They don't, don't even begin. We're going to have a lot of points. We got a lot of states to fix. Got a lot of trouble. <laughs> New York, it, we, people are leaving in droves, Sid. Droves. I'm coming up and I see people on the highway going out there, leaving. We got to stop it. We got big problems, but we're going to fix them. We're going to fix it. New York is going to be back to number one again. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. We got a lot of problems. Thank you, Mr. President. Have I told you we got a lot of problems? Yeah, a lot of problems. We got a lot of problems. I got it. Well, one problem we may not have, thank you, Mr. President, is uh, illegals voting in New York. If one borough president has his way, and that is the best of all, Staten Island borough president Vito Bosella, a good friend of mine, then illegals will never vote. And I know Nicole Maliotakis was celebrating late last night, early this morning. Noam, what's the latest with that? It's been struck down, this uh, controversial New York City law that would have allowed about 800,000 non-citizens but legal residents to vote in those municipal elections, struck down 
as unconstitutional yesterday by the state appeals court. So this was the law that would have let green card holders and other people living in the city who have federal work authorization to vote in municipal elections for mayor in the city council. But the appeals court said no way. They struck it down. So it's not going to happen. Well, that's good news. Now, give me also the latest on the Eric Adams, I guess, a conference yesterday taking basically a victory lap on how he's handled the migrant crisis. What can you say about that? Well, he's now saying the budget cuts, you know, they were going to do a third round of budget cuts. He says it's not going to happen, that the money that came in in 2023 was higher than expected. And so those cuts that would have been more severe to the NYPD, FDNY, city schools, says won't happen. And he's made more drastic cuts, he says, to the migrants. So some of the 30 percent they're pulling back that they would have used for the migrants now going to be pulled back won't be spent on the migrants. All right, very good. So here he is. I'll play a couple of these uh, cuts. Thank you very much, Noam Layden. Eric Adams on the migrant crisis saying that we can manage the crisis if we watch the money. This is the Mayor Lewis, cut number one. We are far from out of the woods, but we're showing that we can manage this crisis if we watch how we spend and we manage the spending that we're seeing in the city. So every time I talk to Rudy Giuliani or even a former governor, about how they would handle this crisis, they all say the same thing. I'd send the buses back. I would, Curtis Sliwa, Curtis Sliwa, who's going to be 1,000% the Republican nominee for mayor, 1,000% for the second consecutive time. He says the same thing. I would send the buses back. Send them to Albany. Kathy would love them. Send them to D.C., Kamala would love them. They all say the same thing. Eric Adams, no, it's illegal. I can't do that. By the way, every time Donald Trump gets indicted, we love him even more. Who cares what's legal and illegal? If you stood up for the people in New York, even if it was illegal, which it's not, let's say it was, and Eric Adams has to do a perp walk, and he says, I'm doing this because my freedom is not as important as the freedom of my people in this city. I care more about New York and their freedom than I do my own. So you could arrest me today, but I'm sending these buses back. He'd be an effing hero. Instead, he's a pussy. Cut number two. People thought that I have the authority to stop buses you from do. coming in the city. You do. They thought I have the authority uh, to tell people, no, we're not giving you housing. I have the authority to move people out of the city that are migrant asylum seekers. Now, look, when I call him a pussy, I mean, in this situation, overall, sorry, Kevin Breslin, I like the guy. I do. But in this specific situation... He's acting like a coward. He's not being tough at all. You have the authority. And if you don't, deal with the repercussions, because on our behalf, we'll love you. It's like, I get these texts from uh, my friend Lynn Hort or my friend Lori out in Jersey. And they go, Sid, you're the voice that's going to save this city. And I love them both. But it's so ridiculous. Save this city? I'm just trying to get ratings. I'm just trying to keep my job. I can't save this city. Our elected officials can't save this city. Rick Amortis has already set in 
but if I can lend a voice for the people, right? I've got an obligation to my listeners, my quote-unquote constituents, to lend a voice. And Eric Adams and all these folks have that same responsibility. Here's the difference. I'm not a coward. They are. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They are the world's best built boilers with spring training off and running. We got real life baseball set to be played this week and we can't wait, but we got a couple of notable stories to touch on regarding both of our local squads today in Tampa. Glaber Torres is clear about his intent with the Yankees as he gets set to start what could be his final season in pinstripes. A 27 year old infielder definitively said yesterday, quote, I want to be a Yankee for life. He's an all star in his first uh, two seasons with the Yanks in 2018 and 2019, slumped badly for two years but has rebounded to become a productive, if not standout, player for the Yankees. He had 273 with 25 home runs, 68 RBIs, and 13 stolen bases last season with an 800 OPS. Those numbers are good for a second baseman. He has a one-year, $14.2 million contract and is eligible for free agency after the World Series. There have not been any discussions about a long-term deal just yet. Cashman's got to get cracking on it. In Port St. Lucie, I should say, New York Mets right-hander Kodai Senga experienced arm fatigue after throwing a side session during spring training and is being examined by trainers. Manager Carlos Mendoza said yesterday New York is looking to Sanga to help anchor its rotation after he put together an impressive rookie season. It really ended up as their best arm last year. We'll keep you updated on Sanga's status as we hear more. Basketball is back tonight with the second half of the NBA season set to get underway. The Knicks and Nets will both return to the court for 7 p.m. tip-offs tonight in Philly. The Knicks will battle the 76ers while the Nets visit the Raptors up north in Toronto. And on the ice, we've got a couple of games to look forward to tonight as well. The Rangers and Devils will meet each other in Newark for a 7 p.m. puck drop before the Islanders get going with the Blues in St. Louis at 8 p.m. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to Peerless Spoilers. Well, then that's more than a couple of teams. That's all three teams. Yeah, but a couple of games. Yeah. Oh, a couple of games. Right, because the Rangers and Devils are playing. I see what you're saying. You see what I did there? I think you said a couple of teams, though. I don't think I did because I'm reading it. Hey. And what I I wrote was games. Well. So, but, you, you know. I think so, you said a couple of games. You think I said games over teams? I do, yes. Wait, okay. So, so all three clubs are in action tonight. Well, you got that right, Sydney. Yeah. And Rangers are going for their ninth straight W. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that'd be exciting if they do that. Yeah. Yeah. You were supposed to let me know about those, uh, the opening day tickets today. Where they, oh, on. yeah. I got your Yankee opening day tickets. You got, wow. you got them for me? Wow. I did, but I gave them to somebody else. <laughs> I knew that was I got them for you, but. <laughs> Well, I haven't given yeah. away just yet. Right, right, but you're going to. Well, somebody last night wanted the tickets. So. Just tell me you're not giving me the tickets. I'm not going to say that. Okay. Yet. All right. <laughs> we got to get Because I do want you to go. I know how much you love the Yankees. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well I got you the tickets. Okay. Those tickets were right. for you. So the sentiment is there, I guess. It's a, the, you know, the... Uh, well, don't stop pinching now because then I will give them away. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just... Right just, now, they're yours. Just circling back, you know? Yeah. Who are you taking? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's bad for you. What do you mean? Why? Because I get you two tickets, you don't even know who you're taking I'll yet. take somebody. No. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they, Legend Suite? 
Don't worry about the tickets. They're great. Mm-hmm. You can't get them on your own. I know. Trust me. You can't afford them. You don't know enough people. I you can, can never get these seats. I can't get any seats on my own. I, I, I Pretty no much, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a fun day. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sports. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, oh, you got to do something. Sports okay. sponsored by Morgan Fearless Boiler. Well, we'd hate to forget about Pete, you know. No, Fearlessboilers.com. No, com. To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best built boilers. Bill White coming on up next. I'm Justin Ellick with Sports on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The president grabbed the phone and jumped on with me. And talked to me for about five minutes. And he was in a great mood. Now, this, you have to understand, you know this. Like an hour before the judge came down with that ruling, he knew that. He knew that. Yet he's on the phone with me on Friday, yucking it up and having a great time. It's unbelievable. I mean, he really is a a fierce fighter. He's passionate and resilient, right? Like, he does it, and he really, truly is happy. He's okay. You know, I think that's the thing. They want to break his spirit. Um, it's not going to happen. Their world would be better if they didn't have somebody who was going to come in and hold people accountable. And that's what this is really all about. It's not about real estate. It's not about defamation. It's not about any of that. They're trying to hit him from all angles, all sides, and it's just uh, just not working, I'm sorry to tell you. Here's the thing. So you're going to appeal this, and um, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to win. But, but before yeah. all that, if I'm correct, again, if I'm wrong, just correct me, uh, you still have to post that money. Yeah. In the next yeah. 30 days, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so you post the money, you start the appeal process, and again, I'm asking for expertise. How long could that take in an effort to get this back? Years. Years? Yeah, it depends. You know, it depends. The appellate division, the courts are backed up in general. Um, of course, we're going to try and expedite everything, but, uh, you know, the appeals process is not a quick one. Uh, motions on appeal, appeals of trial records are, you know, 11 weeks of trial and going in and drafting that and then opposition from the other side and then a reply from our side it's um it's you know it could absolutely take a year two years i mean it depends on the speed of the appellate division but it, it it's definitely a long haul so he's going to post over 400 assuming he does this, he's going to post over 400 million dollars and then have to wait maybe a year two years three years to win the appeal to get that money back mm-hmm. i I got a little bit of hope, like a soap on a rope. That's uh, Trump attorney Alina Haba on the show yesterday. I like Alina. She cool. But um, she got her work cut out for her. The appeal process started a couple days ago. Bill White. Well, Bill, you know, we know Bill for, for a long time. Bill, Bill goes back to the intrepid days, the I-Man and uh, the intrepid days. And then Bill, um, well, yeah, he has a bunch of other titles, and I just don't remember any of them. I, <laughs> but I love Bill. He, and I got to tell you this, Bill. So today I'm wearing this uh, pair of, bl- of blue slacks, and I'm wearing this really nice Joseph Abood cashmere sweater. And I have this really gaudy gold Jewish star that I'm wearing outside my shirt like Michael Rappaport does. <clears throat> And I put my uh, and I put this picture up on uh, Instagram at Rosenberg Sydney and Facebook Sid Rosenberg, and I'm getting all these uh, compliments about how handsome I look today. I do look, I look, I look good. Um, 
And that's all I can think about right now is, is I wonder if Bill White thinks I look handsome. <laughs> I just want to know if you have any opening day Yankee tickets. <laughs> Are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? Oh, Yankees all the way. Yankees yeah, yeah. all the way. When was the last time you lived in New York? Uh, well, we moved out of New York uh, about six years ago. You know, originally it was to <clears throat> take the benefit of being in a no-state income tax state. We ended up going to Georgia, uh, where Brian, my husband's family, is from, and uh, had quite an experience there in Buckhead, as you know. Yes. With uh, everything going on in Georgia, it's like the center of the universe of uh, backwardness, right? Uh, we have our problems in New York. We have our problems in these major Democratic-run cities. But then we came to Florida, and I'm standing here looking at the Mar-a-Lago right now, just as I was listening to your Amazing interview. I think, was that with Alina Haba? Yes. Uh, yes. She's terrific. And uh, and I'm just thinking about this amazing man that lives across the way from me here who loves you, Sid. By <laughs> the way, welcome home. Shalom Haver, and thank you for everything you are doing to support Israel, the state of Israel, the families that have been so terribly hurt by this October 7th. And the world, really, it's uh, it's going to be a very long time before anybody uh, understands how serious what happened on that day was. You're right about that. And um, there are new reports this morning that Israel now facing new attacks from Hezbollah up in Lebanon and Yemen. And I'll say this, Bill, I've traveled the world. I've been all over Europe, uh, certainly living in the United States. You see quite a bit. But in my uh, lifetime, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. That trip to uh, Israel was far and you know. away the most beautiful, the most spiritual, and they're in a war. I mean, I was in a bomb shelter the Friday I was there down by Gaza, three-quarters of a mile away from Gaza, where they're actually fighting. And a bomb went off, and my daughter started to cry. She's 19. My son started to cry. He's 15. I was scared to death, and yet I can say without any hesitation, it was the most beautiful spiritual trip I ever took, by far. Oh, that's, that's amazing, Sid. I, w I really wanted to ask you, I saw the video of you walking up to the Great Wall, uh, the Wailing Wall, right? Um, yep. what, what was that like? Because I did that many years ago, but I'm just curious what your experience was being there and under those conditions. It must have been a little scary there because that's a point of attack. They'd love to uh, do damage to that space, so the security must have been consider it as well it was i never thought about the security aspect what was scary was there's two ways to get to the western wall and one of the ways to get there bill is you walk through something they call the uh really the muslim quarters the arab quarters and uh, i was wearing a, a sweatshirt with the israeli flag american flag i stood out like a sore thumb and they said maybe you don't want to go through the arab quarters i said no 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 that's why I'm here. That's exactly. So I and, and I got a bunch of dirty looks. I mean, my producer Justin was with me. He could attest to this. One guy told me to shut the f up. I got dirty looks. That was the only wow. part that. But I must tell you, it, it didn't really scare me. And when I got to the wall, my father's been dead for three years. I miss him desperately. But he was with me that day. It was me, my son, and my father. Three generations of Rosenberg's, Bill White, that davened. At the Western Wall, it was unbelievable. Spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. Well, I'm so I'm so proud of you for doing it because uh, it's just very important that we show our support for Israel. I was talking with uh, Rick Grinnell, you know, who was our very distinguished U.S. ambassador to Germany for President Trump. 
he was, uh, in fact, not Pete Buttigieg, uh, Rick Grinnell was appointed by President Trump, no less, uh, the first openly gay member of an administration. Well, wait, wait, a second, wait, a second, wait a second, wait a second, stop right there. But yeah. President Trump, even though you, Bill, you're a gay man, you've been friends with Trump forever, as you just pointed out, he was the first to appoint a gay man at Rick Grinnell, but President Trump hates the gays. That's what they tell me. They tell me that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah. You know, yeah. every time I see every time I see him, I I say, you know, we really all love you. He says the gays love me, don't they? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said, yes, they do. And, you know, we've done some polling. Uh, Sid, it's very interesting. We would estimate right now in this upcoming election that five out of 10 LGBT are going to be supporting President Trump for security, for the border, for the economy. Yeah. Um, and we go to these events. We were there on Friday at Mar-a-Lago at a beautiful fundraising event. It was sold out. It was a thousand people. They raised an inordinate amount of money. Uh, the support is strengthening. The fundraising is surging. Uh, and when we walked, <laughs> we walked up to him and said, you get a kick out of this. He said, uh, oh, Bill White, Bill White, get over here. He says, how long have I known you? I said, it's over 30 years, Mr. President. He says, oh, I, I love you. I love this guy. <laughs> and he says to Susie Wiles, his uh, chief of staff, uh, uh, Dan Scavino, who's great, he says, I love, I love this guy. I love these guys. And then he pauses and he says, now, wait a minute. Not in that way. <laughs> yeah, I could see him doing that. That is him. You know, it's funny about, about the, the gay community. God, you got to love him. You know, again, being in Israel and uh, the LGBTQRSTUV, that community. Yeah, the alphabet, right. Morons. They, um, right. you know, they, uh, they're they marching with these pro-Palestinians. And, and yet, uh, what they don't know, or maybe they choose to ignore, I have to think they don't know it, that the Arabs, specifically Hamas, you know, Hezbollah, they would throw these people off the roofs like they were an old Diet Coke can. And yet, right. yet these people outwardly hate the Jews, who take very good care of them in Israel, outwardly hate Donald Trump, who never once in his life had anything bad to say about any gay person ever, and in fact, like you, has a ton of gay friends. Are they stupid? Are they ignorant? What's going on there? Yeah, no, it's very strange. I have, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends in Israel, and they're more, you know, they're more conservative, but I have some you know, left-leaning uh, gay friends in Israel. And I actually saw that, uh, Sid, what you're talking about. And I messaged my friend there in uh, in Tel Aviv. <clears throat> and he said it's a disgrace. You know, uh, so that was his reaction. I think that's why I said the 50-50. The pendulum is switching. Don't, don't you feel that? Uh, what they yes. did to us these last two years with, uh, uh, you know, open border, stopping everything Trump did, I think people even – who may not like President Trump for some reason? I don't understand why they don't like him. It's a it's a myth to me, but they love his policies. So I think what he did on the Laura Ingram, <clears throat> the Laura Ingram, excuse me, uh, show the, the other night was to demonstrate that he can. Uh, what's the word? Civil? I don't know what it is that people want from President Trump. Yeah. But what he did on the Laura Ingram show. Yeah. That's what we got to do. We got to get him on your show to talk for a full hour like you did a while back about exactly what he's going to do when he's president. You know, you, but, 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 but we, we know what he can do. But, you know, here's what annoys me about people. <clears throat> I got a buddy. I'm not going to say his name. So he says to me yesterday, Bill, he goes, you know, if your friend Trump 
would just be nicer. He'd uh, win by a landslide. And and yeah. I can't keep answering the same thing all the time. <laughs> First of all, he is nice. He's a very right. nice guy. He's my friend. You don't know him like I do. Secondly, why would I, of all people, tell Trump how to run his campaign when last I checked, he beat Hillary as a major underdog in 2016. He got over 70 million votes in 2020. He just obliterated the Republican field in 2024 and is favored to beat Joe Biden. Who the hell is Sid Rosenberg to tell Donald Trump to be a nicer guy? How does that make right. sense? That's right. Or, or any of us. And look, he is a very nice guy. He's sweet. He's a loving yes. father and husband. But we don't need a sweet guy to run this country right now. We need somebody who is like Donald Trump. There's nobody like him. I think he's the only person, Sid. I bet you, you agree. Most of the people we talk to who have a brain working right now understand that he's the only guy that can fix everything right now. Well, they're, they're afraid of him in of Russia, course. in Iran, in South uh, North Korea. As so. they should be. As they should That's be, because right. when he was president, uh, Rocket Man did nothing. Putin did nothing. He went into Crimea before, Ukraine after. Uh, they That's did nothing right. in Iraq and Afghanistan because he threatened every one of those mullahs. They did nothing in Israel. And then you get Nikki Haley up there, this idiot, this backstabbing moron, yelling and screaming about Donald Trump's age. Who cares? Yes, he's going to be 78. He walks around like he's 40. This guy goes to three states in one day. Give me a break. That's right. And the border was closed. You know, I've talked to many people in South Carolina. She's going to she's going to lose the state of South Carolina, her home state where she was governor, uh, by such a wide majority. But then she's going to stay in. You know, the Club for Growth, the uh, Koch brothers uh, entity, they literally are putting up 50 to 100 million dollars for her in the last 30 days. And it's obscene because uh, I don't understand why she's going to lose miserably mm. in South Carolina. Mm. You know, no, Sid, I wanted to ask you your opinion on something, you know, before we go. But I just uh, was talking with uh, a group, Truckers for Trump. Yeah. And these are a great group of patriots. And, you know, I'm from New York. I'm a New York boy, you know, homegrown. And I love New York. I hate what's going on in the bad things in New York City, like we all do. But they are absolutely boycotting delivering goods to New York City and New York State right now. Good. And uh, yeah, and I and I think that the Remington Company, I'm going to meet with them in D.C. today. I'm flying up there. They're moving out of New York. They just announced this. And I just wondered what you thought about all that. I was wondering, too, what John Katz, you know, is the, one of the greatest businessmen uh, in New York City. Boycotting is not good for companies that do business in there that need supplies. But this fine has to be something people stand up against. No, the, the, you're right. And uh, I know that uh, the trucker who became the face of the boycott kind of got a little wobbly in the legs a couple of days ago. But there are still many truckers that will do the boycott. And look, John Katzmatidis has made billions of dollars. That's a real number, billions, okay? That's he's right. got he's got he's He's got D'Agostino. He's got this station. He's got energy companies, oil companies. But he's upset. 
He's not going to leave. He's going to fight yeah. it. I ask him and I ask That's Bill right. O'Reilly every week, are you guys leaving? And they go, no, we're going to stick around because this is our city. But of course he's upset. And of course he gets hurt in the pocket. You know, even uh, in his food stores, food is so expensive these days. He's got no choice but to pay more and charge more. So everybody's upset. And this fine that uh, this Letitia James, this repulsive racist attorney general, put on our friend, she should be put in prison for this, this animal, was so disgusting that you bet your ass, Republicans, Democrats, any decent New Yorker who puts their Trump derangement syndrome aside knows what they did to him was absolutely grotesque. Yeah, 100%. It was absolutely grotesque. And I think a lot more businesses that may not be so public like Remington are going to leave. You know, you just gave me an idea, Said what President Trump will have to do with putting up this um, significant money up front until the appeal is through. Isn't interesting, right? The uh, the trial lasts 42 minutes, right? But the appeal will take uh, four years. Right. Right? It's, just, it's, true. it's just another way to screw President Trump. But I think we can raise money. Uh, for him to put up a bond, I think the bond could be something in the area of five to fifteen million dollars. And I'm going to work on this when I get off the phone with you. You gave me a great idea today that we could help him to raise the money for the bond, uh, which will be in effect until the appeal is over. So he might not have to put up all of that money. He might have to put up the money for a bond for that money. So. Uh, this was a good. This was a good meeting this morning. <laughs> yeah, it always is, Bill. You're uh, you're brilliant. You're beautiful. And uh, reach out to President Trump if the idea works, and I can help. Of course, I'll do anything for you guys. So thank you so much. And I love when you come on the show. You're just you're a breath of fresh air. You just you're just terrific, Bill White. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you, Sid, and to the guys, uh, all, all of the friends uh, there at WABC. We love you. Send me a photo of how you look with this gold thing and the fancy shirt. You never <laughs> yeah. know, Sid. You, you got never it. know. I'm sending it right now, Bill I love White. You, brother. I love you too. What a love great way to much. start Have the morning. Thank you. What a great way to start the morning with Bill White. I should bring Bill White on every day at 6:45. I swear to God, I love him. Uh, thank you, Bill. That does wrap up our number one, and we've got a very big hour number two about to come your way. My man, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis Lewa gets mentioned in my life like a hundred times a day. I could be home. I could be at a fancy New York restaurant, a fancy New York club, socialites, elites, politicians, entertainers. Curtis Lewa's name always comes up. We'll talk to Curtis and the former WFAN legend Joe Beningo. It's a huge 7 o'clock hour, hour number two in today's five-hour extravaganza. And it's cold inside, but just like that man that can let it song. I'm hot like wasabi when I'm next to your body. All I want to do is stand up early in the morning. And all I got to say is yeah, your love's extraordinary. You're extraordinary, This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
photograph, baby. You know, talking about photograph, I just sent a photograph of myself that's on my Instagram and Facebook page this morning to uh, Bill White. But this is Def Leppard photograph. And I'll tell you why we're playing this at 720 on this New York City Thursday morning. When we started this great show 80 minutes ago, right out of the open that Justin Ellick put together, we used the song Animal by Def Leppard. I love Def Leppard, so does Lou, so does Justin. So Curtis Sliwa, who continues to captivate the tri-state area, they love him, he's a rock star. He uh, is on this time every morning. He'll be on momentarily. Does a great job with the Rip and Read overnights on the weekends and a magnificent job with me every weekday. Turns out Curtis is a big Def Leppard fan, and he actually asked for that specific song photograph, like Mariana Rivera coming out of the bullpen to Sandman by Metallica. Curtis Sleewood's entry music today was Photograph by Def Leppard, and I know you like the band, but why? What is that all about, Kurt? Well, it's about who you were focused on, Rick Allen, who became the one-armed drummer that Longway Lou Rafino was describing. Do you know that Photograph turned Def Leppard into a more popular MTV video than even Beat It with Michael Jackson? Is that right? Yes. And in the 80s, a lot of people forget they were voted the most favorite rock band over the Stones, ACDC, Journey, they just churned out hit after hit. They came out of Sheffield, England. They were into hard rock. And then they developed an American audience. And their fans turned on them. They threw beer cans and bottles filled with urine at them. Why? Because they thought they were Americanizing. And let me tell you something. The guy you focus on, Rick Allen, the, yeah, the one-armed drummer. drummer. Yeah. At 15 was their drummer. 15 years old. This guy was a phenom. He was that young. 15. And then naturally, they're doing great. He's not driving a Bentley. He's not driving a Jaguar. He's driving an American Corvette, right? General Motors. He's like burning up the asphalt. Has an accident. Detach The arm detaches from his, his right hand, right the shoulder. Came off. They attached it. They put it back. Yeah. But he developed an infection. He thought, oh, my God, they put my arm back. One of the miracle operations. And then they had to amputate. Oh, my God. And then for months, he's practicing in a separate studio. All of his band guys said, you can do it. You can do it. And he's practicing and he's practicing. And one way, Lou Rafino will love this. They come into the studio he says, I can do it, and he played the Led Zeppelin version of When the Levee Breaks on the drums. They said, oh, my God, this is a miracle. But they still, the manager said, hey, look, let's have two drummers there. Rick Allen will bring in Jeff Rich. Two drummers on the stage. Right. Jeff Rich doesn't show up for one concert. Rick Allen alone. The rest is magic. History, that's it. The rest is magic. Wow. What a phenomenal feat. And what a great, I, I mean, song after song after song. You know how quickly we forget. I want to thank Wrong Way Lou Rafino for once again reconnecting all of us. We grew up in the 80s, the 90s. That was it. It was Def Leppard. In fact, the British fans were saying, oh, Def Leppard has changed their spots when they went to America. They blew it up. 
absolutely phenomenal. That's you know, I, 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 uh, I'm watching you talk about all this, and um, certainly you can thank Lou Rufino. I did pick this song this morning. Oh, excuse fine. me. Uh, I have okay, to defer to you, King David. Excuse me. But, but I'm watching you, and whether we're talking about Israel, where the week leading up to Israel, you told me about all the places. You were right. Whether we're talking about Brooklyn, the subways, local politics, the migrants, you're right. Whether we're talking about sports, you can easily harken back to the 50s Yankees, the 50s Brooklyn Dodgers, and most of the time, you're right. Now you're talking about music, and you've got this really specific great story about one of our most treasured bands. And I'm saying to myself... There's got to be something wrong with Sliwa. There's, there, he knows everything about everything. No. There's one thing I don't know. I did a lot of drugs in my life, son. You did? I did not do cocaine. Okay. Well, I did enough for both of us. Damn don't worry. Right. So you're, you are the resident <laughs> expert. You were the DEA poster child, and I'm not talking about Detectives Endowment Association, <laughs> the DEA poster child. Hunter Biden's attorney attacked a special counsel, David Weiss, the other day by saying it was reckless of you because you mistook lines of sawdust for cocaine in the evidence dump. Who the hell actually chops up lines of sawdust? I mean, baking powder, baking soda, I guess, maybe. I remember one time um, I was on a cruise on the way to Jamaica. I was in Jamaica, actually. What oh, am my I talking God. About? oh, my God. And I tried to purchase drugs, and it was baking soda. I mean, it happened a million times, but but sawdust? doesn't even look like it. It's of course wild. not. It's so ridiculous. Come on. But I figured, hey, look, I'm an expert on a lot of other drugs. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. That was in our era. Disco did not do cocaine. So what did you do? You smoked weed? Everything. You did, uh, like, uh, uh, meth? Uh, not meth. Um, well, uh, what do you Quaaludes. call that? Mesk. Right. You did that type of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And not the pure cocaine, and it was available. I mean, there well, were jiffy peanut butter jars filled with it. So what, what? did you not do it because you just were against it or because you were in that scene? Why didn't you do it? I was too amped up to begin with. You know that. Right, I'm 24 right, right. I couldn't right. even imagine you were wired up. I needed brutal. to slow down oh my a little God. bit. Oh, my God. I'm on the floor. I want to do a slow jam. With that, there's no slow jam. So did you actually dance at Studio 54? No. You were, you were never They would not accept me. So you would walk. I was BQE. BQE down, you know. What does that mean? That means I looked like I was from Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens. You know, yeah, the standards were you don't get in unless yeah, you look like a famous, Manhattan. But you're famous. It doesn't matter. Back then you weren't so famous. Well, I was. You were. But I was from the so would Bronx. You, would, so would you go to Studio 54 from yes. the Bronx yes. dressed like that? Yes. You'd wear the red beret, the Absolutely. red Absolutely. So my boy Steve Rubell would be like, you're not coming in here. Of course, because you'll bust us for doing cocaine in all the <laughs> yeah. places. Well, people fornicating, copulating men, women, fruits, well, and vegetables. Ru- Rubel liked the boys, talking about Bill exactly. White. Exactly. Yeah, he liked the boys. And by the way, I debated Timothy Leary, the LSD guru, who took me to his home in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and he, he, the, his, the people visiting him, you know, all druggies, all burned out hippies, yeah. they ran out the door and said, why'd you bring the narc here? So I had a discussion last night with somebody. You know who it is. We're not going to share it just yet. Yeah, you know who it is. is. Yeah. Okay. And we were talking about all the issues in this city, specifically about where Eric Adams has gone wrong. So I said, I said, you know, one of the things that really bothers me about this city, we very rarely talk about it. We do, but rarely. 
I said, you can't go down one block in this city without seeing not one, not even two, sometimes three smoke shops for selling weed out of these places. You can't walk a block on this city with your kid without smelling, wafting in the air, marijuana. I think it is disgusting, not because I'm in recovery, not because I'm one of those, I did drugs and I hate it now. I'm not like that. It's just gross. You shouldn't have to walk down the block and smell weed all over the city. Can you fix that? Yes. How See, do you fix one that? block away from us, remember, they had the grand opening. Balloons. Yes. You know, come one, come all, get high. Big signs. Nothing. We have a sheriff here, a guy named Anthony Miranda. You cannot trust this guy, He's man. He's the sheriff? He's the sheriff of Nottingham. No, the New York City sheriff. They are not a law enforcement agency. They're a revenue agency. But Eric Adams has given them a responsibility for padlocking the weed shops. You know how many illegal weed shops there are now? 2,000. Is it 2,000? 2,000. You know how many legal weed shops there are where the state actually gets uh, tax revenue? How many? 13. Oh, my God. In the city. And a lot of the Yemenites, Idiots. they own the delis, they go to the landlord, there's obviously a lot of empty storefronts. I tell you what, cash and carry for a month, we open up the weed shop, they call it the smoke shop. Do you know they've traced some of this money into Yemen now? Yemen, I believe amongst it. the rebels, the Houthis, I believe it. and the other enemies of America. This is a lucrative, lucrative thing. I would padlock them, I would say, hey, you're illegal. This would be like when LaGuardia was busting up illegal booze. He would do it on videos, right, with a pickaxe during <laughs> Prohibition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know me, I'd be storming in there. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, you want to burn out? Let's put all of it outside. We'll burn it right here, and all of you can get a secondary high, right? Because everybody who loves weed would go, please shotgun me. <laughs> <laughs> That's your last one from this shop. All right. So last night while I was enjoying my dinner at Fresco, then uh, ZZ afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You, I got a text this morning from my dear friend Jack Manzo. He's not related to the Manzo from Real Housewives. Same name, and they both party, I think, at the Brownstone in New Jersey. But he's the guy that introduced Jack Cittarelli to me. He's become a good friend. And he said, you know, Sid, Curtis brought the house down last night at the Bergen County Republican Lincoln Day fundraiser. Of course, he mentioned you and John Katzmatidis. So there you were in New Jersey, not even New York, once again delivering a great message. I was invited by the chairman, Jack Ziza. Oh, he's great. He wants me to move to Bergen County. You should. I get a better re- I'll be honest with you. I get a better reception from Republicans in New Jersey sure. than I ever have in New York. And I got to tell you this, of all the places I've lived, and I love Bell Harbor. Yeah. I love it. My favorite address ever between New York and New Jersey was living in Tenafly, New Jersey. Yeah. I loved that. I lost the house. I got fired by the band. It Bergen was very County. sad. Bergen, Bergen County, County, right there. Right there, Alpine, Demarest. People were telling me, Sid, they listen Anglewood. every morning. They love you because they consider you one of their own. But I'm also there promoting Latino candidates, getting them involved. That's the next wave. Doctor in, in New Jersey or yes. over the country? Oh, no, here in New York, in New Jersey. But Dr. Hector Castillo running in the 9th Congressional District yes. against Bill Pascrell, who I thought was dead. I mean, you think Joe Biden is old. <laughs> Bill Pascrell used to be mayor of Patterson, like, I think in the 1950s. 
This guy is like 90 years old. He's like a cadaver in formaldehyde. So I'm working the crowd, and the chairman, Jack Zizi, says, I want you to introduce Congressman Jeff Van Drew, the 2nd Congressional District. Remember how important he was? Well, doesn't Jeff Van Drew actually switch parties? Yes, and he would not vote to impeach Trump. Remember that first impeachment? He was the original Dove Hiken and Tulsi guy. Yes, yes, and he's great. He's great. But that was my role, to introduce Jeff Van Drew. But he gives me the microphone, and you know, try to separate me from the microphone. It's harder than doing that with Shamu Alefe Chris Christie, you know, uh, Orca the Killer Whale, who's now at SeaWorld in Florida as he got knocked out. Remember when he introduced Mitt Romney at yes. the Republican National Forever. Convention and never talked about Mitt Romney? Yeah. Well, I got into it. The spirit of Bob Grant got into me. This was a WABC Bob Grant audience. So, so were you just yelling about migrants? No, no, no. I was talking about how important WABC is to New Jersey per capita per person. More people listen to us in New Jersey than anywhere else. And I went down the line historically. Bob Grant at the Woodbridge Diner, the Rio Diner, the place. With, remember, they're baby boomers like us. Yeah, they yeah, grew up yeah. with Bob Grant. He was from Manalapan. He, he made New Jersey the place where WABC was listening. By the time I finished the standing ovation, Jack whispers in my ear, you forgot the congressman. He was nice. I know he's a dentist, and I have a problem in one of my teeth. I was going to ask him afterwards to take a look at it. After that... Where I, I basically took down the house. Oh, uh, you buried him. Don't follow Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Don't follow Curtis. But he's a dentist. Oh, was... oh you know who else is a great dentist? Your friend Alan Sniffin. Yes. <laughs> Alan Sniffin of the New York Radio <laughs> Message Board. Yeah. So they have uh, some of the um, the migrant issues yes. we have here in New York, which you've been on top of from day one. No one better than Curtis. Are they having... That in New Jersey? I don't hear much yes. about that. Yeah, because remember, half in the bag, uh, Phil Murphy, right? He's always looking half in the bag. That, what has he got? A dead, oh, uh, I don't know. dead looks, raccoon on his he head? He looks so silly. God. I mean, and, and him, right? Remember, they were bringing the illegals right there to the, uh, Lautenberg, uh, transit station. Oh, uh, yes, yes. New Jersey Transit. Yeah. By the way, Frank Lautenberg, Never lived in New Jersey. Lived on the Upper West Side. Everybody would say, don't you belong in New Jersey. He'd go, mind your own business. Oh, so they named it after him, right? And so the illegals come in on the bus, and New Jersey transit cops, state cops, are like coyotes. They say, stop right here. We're going to pay your fare. It's a five-minute ride right on New Jersey transit into Penn Station. And then they put them in cabs. They pay the cab job. Take them to the Roosevelt Hotel. That's how Jack Murphy, Sanctuary State, New Jersey, with Sanctuary City's yeah, handle, says, give yeah. it to Eric Adams. He yeah. wants him, he yep. can keep him. Is his wife still going to run against Bob Menendez? Yes, yes. Phil Murphy's uh, wife? Uh, Tammy. I call yes. her Tammy, Tammy. Faye Baker. <laughs> yeah. You know, she got thing. the mascara. She'll thing. be yeah. She's behind in the polls to Congressman Kim. Korean, way ahead of her, and actually way ahead of Gold Bars, Bobby Menendez. Gold hey, Bars. Cash and carry, cash and carry. <laughs> yeah. And she, she's like saying to her husband, what the hell, man? You're raising tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike, the Garden State Parkway, the Atlantic City Expressway. You're raising fares on New Jersey Transit for the buses and trains. I'm supposed to be the next U.S. Senator. You're killing me. You're killing me, Phil. So Phil is like... Worst decision he ever made. And then I'm looking forward, King David, for this sit-down with a transit police chief, Michael Kemper, 
at the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is really at 1st Avenue. Rabbi Joe Potashnik came in yesterday and he said, Curtis, don't you realize it's not just the 2nd Avenue Deli. on The 5th Avenue Synagogue where you and Sid, where you honored Sid, is actually on East 62nd Street. The Park Avenue Synagogue is on East 87th. The Sutton Place Synagogue is on East 51st. Now I know, Sid, why the Jews were lost in the desert for 40 years. They may be the smartest people in the world, the chosen people, but they don't know their directions, and they didn't have GPS back then. Thank God Moses finally led you to the promised land. Now I know why you were lost in the desert 40 days, 40 nights. Every significant shrine, iconic location for Jews in New York, they say it's the Second Avenue Deli. But wait a second, there's no Second Avenue Deli. Well, it's really on First Avenue, Fifth Avenue Synagogue. No, Sixty Second Street Park Avenue Synagogue. No, East Eighty Seventh Sutton Place Synagogue. No, East Fifty First. You may be the brightest Jews, but please, I don't want you as my cab driver. Because we'll never get to our destination unless you got GPS. God, Hashem positioning system attached as you dive in day and night to Torah and Talmud. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. out there listening right now, 7.45 on your Thursday morning. Curtis was just great. Bill White was great earlier. You know what I just saw on TV? We'll get to Joe Beningo coming up, the WFAN legend Joe Beningo. We had Russo and Beningo this week. We get all the good FAN guys. Mike before that. Mike Brancessa, right. And no disrespect to the guys that are on the fan now. Chris Olivero knows I love him. And a bunch of guys on the fan I really like. But I'm going to say this with confidence, and it's not Chris's fault. It's a shell of what it used to be. When you had Imus, Sid, Beningo, Francesa, Russo, Steve Summers, 
you can't sell me McKenzie, Tiki, and um, and uh, who's the stupid kid who works alongside Boomer uh, Geo? You can't do it. You can't do and it. The kid that's at night too. There's another. Isn't that McKenzie or something? I don't There's know. Another that's guy. His name. Uh, uh, and we had what's his name or... at night? Uh, Tony Page sometimes, but. It's just, it's just not the same. So all those great legendary FAN sports guys, I get. <laughs> Tony Page, who would kind of poor have little, little arguments with himself. Ah, poor great. Tony. And then you say to yourself, well, why did they make uh, this move? Well, then they made this move because they had uh, And now they, now they have two more <laughs> players. And now well, he's ask, such you know, a sweet guy, Tony. Oh, I love Tony In fact, Page. I remember when Ava was born, and uh, she, uh, she'll be 20. I can't believe that. My daughter's going to be 20 on April the 7th. But Deirdre, is was very generous with Ava, bought beautiful uh, stuff. Ro Francesa bought Ava beautiful stuff. And Tony Page's mom, God rest her soul, she's long gone. She actually knitted a blanket for Ava. Oh, my God. And we loved it. It was a beautiful pink blanket that she took the time to knit for my daughter. And uh, Tony's a great guy. Tony you know, great guy. was a really good guy. Yeah, he, well, he's still alive. Well, he's still alive. I yeah, mean, he's, I, I mean, yeah, when we were working, yet. he was, he was yeah. staying at the fanny. Yeah. So we uh, we had, uh, it was legendary, and it's not anymore. Anyway, um, so I just saw Christy Noem on TV because she's on the short list of possible VP running mates for Trump. You know, we uh, had that town hall with Laura Ingram a couple of days ago, and they mentioned a bunch of names, him and Laura, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I can't stand. And they also mentioned Tulsi Gabbard. And Noam's name came up, not Noam Layden, Christy Noam. And I'm going to say this at the risk of angering people who don't like it when we talk about physical appearances. But she was just on TV and she's hot. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a barometer to get that gig. She's also a great governor in South Dakota, and she's very, very smart. But I think it helps if you can be smart, effective, and good-looking. I mean, look at me. And hot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Your biggest attribute would be, let's put them in the third. Let's see what the, I don't know, your hotness yes. or your intelligence I don't know. It's... <laughs> yeah, which do you want first, your hotness or your intelligence? In my case? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, no, no, not God. to be self-deprecating, I'm not all that hot, and I'm not all that smart either. But if I had to be one, I'd take the hotness, because I'm shallow. I'm a very <laughs> shallow person. <laughs> You're right, though. It gets you far. Hotness gets you much farther. Oh, much further. It's yeah. such not, oh, don't talk about how I look. That's one thing about Alina Hava, Trump's attorney. She did a story, like, last year, and she said, hey, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. You know, the fact is, people talk about my beauty as much as they talk about my uh, lawyer abilities. So. I'd, I'd rather be feared, kid, than loved. Right. That's I'd it. rather be hot <laughs> than smart. They How about fear you, Lou? Me. They fear me. <laughs> In this neighborhood, they know they can come to me, you know, that C. But I'd rather be, if you're asking me, I'd rather be feared than loved. And that's true, too. I would also rather be feared than loved. Yeah, of course. You get, yeah. you get but I get both. I mean, people love me, love this show, but they're it's terrified true. of me. That's, they are terrified. That's to, why these to... local politicians meet me for dinner all the time. All the time. All the time. Because the last thing you want is to be driving around New York, like a million people listening to me, 
than this angry Brooklyn idiot calling you a scumbag. It's the last thing you want. They're terrified of your hotness and your intelligence. That's right. Think. So they're trying to put it in perspective. Another too. guy who's hot and very, very intelligent. Here's Joe Nolan with the traffic. Well, why was everybody laughing? I'm just Sid made a face. I didn't make a face. He's very cute, Joe. Very cute. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, uh, it's a tie, his hotness and his intelligence. That's what it is, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an extremely overweight kind of way. From the com traffic desk, again, as you travel around this morning, we got delays on the Deegan northbound at 138th Street accident up there. That, in the process of being cleared, and we got two problems on the Garden State Parkway. This one at 117 in the express lane. Still there. Two lanes are out. Again, from the Raycatina.com traffic desk. That continues with an accident investigation. We're still in the process of getting that out of the way. Uh, we have a report of a fatality in that. So, again, if you're heading southbound on the parkway, big delays coming down to 117. Then northbound at 109 and the locals, that one should just about be out of the way. A new accident eastbound Route 22, North Broad Street, and alternate side of the street. Parking rules and regulations, once again today, are in effect. Discover exceptional values in a certified pre-owned Jaguar from Ray Katina Jaguar of Edison and Jaguar Marlboro. 4.99% financing for up to 60 months now available to qualified buyers on all certified pre-owned models. Ray Katina Jaguar of Edison, Jaguar Marlboro. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Nancy Mace was on the show yesterday, my um, my uh, good, good friend, the congresswoman out of South Carolina. So Nancy, along with Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, all these South Carolina politicians have turned their backs on Nikki Haley. What's interesting about that is Nikki Haley actually endorsed Nancy in her last race. Now Nancy, as she talked about on this show yesterday, is in for a very, very tough race because she was one of the eight that uh, Newt Gingrich calls the traitor eight, but Matt Gates and a host of others that ousted Kevin McCarthy. So McCarthy now has put up a very, very tough challenger to primary Nancy in South Carolina coming up before the next election. So Nancy needs some help. NancyMace.org. So after the show was over yesterday, I called Nancy. 
to thank her for coming on and to find out some more news on the ground because, again, she's in South Carolina. And she goes, I got a busy day today. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, Lara Trump and I are going to go about the state together. So you guys know how close I am with Lara. She was on a couple of days ago, but I talked to Lara three or four times a week. And Eric is okay with that, by the way. So I text Lara. I go, you with my friend Nancy Mace today? She said, yes. I said, she needs help. She goes, I know. So uh, how about that, Lou and Justin? Two of the female favorites on Sid and Friends in the Morning, Nancy Mace and Lara Trump, stomping together in South Carolina yesterday. And that's what Trump's got on his side, folks. He got the good people. He got the good people. And going back to what we talked about last segment, he got the good-looking people. And that matters. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk to WFAN legend Joe Beningo. You know, Christopher Mandog Russo was on this show two days ago. And Doggy said, A, Patrick Mahomes has already distinguished himself as the best quarterback ever. He also said the Mets are not very good. And the Yankees, if they could beat Houston, will go to the World Series. What does Beningo think about what Russo said just two days ago? Plus, Beningo's thoughts on Trump and the country. Joe Beningo, coming up. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Another great song here by Lou Rapino as we start the 8 o'clock hour. Don't forget, it's Thursday. You know what that means? Bill O'Reilly. There's no segment, any show, any day, any time of the week on this station that gets bigger ratings than O'Reilly and Rosenberg. He'll be here at 845. Then we're going to talk at um, 915 to the great New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin. 1015, we go back live to Jerusalem We'll talk to my dear friend Alex Trayman from JNS.org. Israel now facing a new front of attacks from Hezbollah up in Lebanon and Yemen. All that the last two days. So a lot more to do, but joining me right now once again, as he does often these days, my former partner, midday partner at WFAN. He's still there during football. He's a legend, one of the all-time greats. Right there with Russo and Mike, the great Joe Beningo. Joseph, good morning, buddy. How are you? 
Sydney off. They don't put me in that league. Believe me, I'm not even close. I just want to let oh, you know. Oh, you, you're right there. Stop it. It's cute By that you're way. humble. You're right there. By the way, Michael Goodwin, one of my favorite, tremendous every Sunday in the post. He's tremendous. Him and, uh, uh, him and uh, Miranda Devine, just absolutely tremendous. Uh, by the way, Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds much better than Steve Miller as far as that. <laughs> Lou, Did no, I we talk? don't need Steve Miller. Lou, no Steve Miller, please. Okay, okay? so that was not for you, Joe. That was right. You came on after the other song, if you have noticed. I did notice that. Okay. Uh, you knew. You knew. You knew oh, well, Steve Miller. I made a, dis- I made a change. I, I made an audible. I know right you did. We- yes. And, okay. And brilliantly. So, 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 so I you say to Lou. You saw the safety up at the line of scrimmage. Right. You of made course. Move, like right? Dan Marino. No, so, right. so he says to me in my ear when the song is playing, Lou, he goes, Beningo's going to say something about the song and the artist. No, he's going to know the artist, and that's yeah. not easy to do. It's a 70s uh, song. Yeah, 1971, figure that song. <laughs> yeah. like that. He's going to know who it is, and he's going to quote it. So right it. now, i got to figure out who's more retarded, Iron Eagle, Curtis Sliwa, or Joe Beningo. Wow, boy, that's, a, that's heavy duty. You got me in some heavy company there. Iron Eagle, Curtis Sliwa, and me? Yeah. And then you got me with Mike and Chris? Come on. Well, you are be, because, because while you're very, very smart, which is obvious. You're also like these other guys, and me to a certain extent, the king of useless information. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I I am there. Like, when you talk about useless information, there's very few that know less useless information, or more, (laughs) I should say, than I do. That's for sure. So what do you think about about Doggy? I want to get these cuts. Bring up these uh, these, uh, three dog cuts, because... I love three the fact. Night, three door cuts. Very good. Uh, Mike Brancessa was on this show uh, two weeks ago before the Super Bowl. Doggy comes on two or three times a month. You come on two or three times a month. Even Summer shows up. So the real FAN legends I get. You got that dog stuff ready? So I asked Doggy after the Super Bowl what he thought about the Chiefs and the Chiefs winning. And he had some very glowing comments about their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. I want you to listen to what Dog said, Beningo, and give me your thoughts. Go ahead, Lou. Yep. Mahomes yep. is too good. That's the bottom line. Best quarterback I've ever seen. That includes Brady. Um, he is that good. Now, you're not going to have this. He may not have the same career that Brady has as far as seven Super Bowls are concerned, but at his peak, at his peak, he's a better player because he runs better. And he's, he's just incredible. And, uh, you know, he went down the field not once, twice uh, to win that game. And he also went on to say he's 28 years old. He's got three. He'll got many more. So uh, uh, all of them, Unitas, Marino, Montana, Brady, Chris Russo thinks already at 28, Pat Mahomes, best quarterback ever. Your thoughts? Hard to disagree with it. I mean, I, you know, I, you want to say that, I can't, I can't argue with it. He's certainly in the top five that ever played. And, uh, you know, Chris hit it. I mean, the bottom line is he can run. I mean, that's something Brady could never do. I mean, how many times have I seen over the years watching uh, Mahomes? It's third and 20, and Mahomes runs like 25 yards for the first down. I mean, I've seen that happen a number of times. Um, Look, like he said, I don't know if he's going to win seven championships, but he is only 28 years old. But uh, he's... If he's not the best of all time, uh, Sid, he's certainly right there, no doubt about it. So if he's not the best of all time, do you have Brady, Montana? Who do you have? Well, here's my top five. I'll give you my top five real quick. Uh, It's Mahomes is there. Mahomes, Brady, Manning, uh, Peyton Manning, obviously, Elway, and uh, the other guy is probably Joe Montana. That's the top five. Really? You've got Peyton Manning in there. I think Peyton Manning was overrated. I really do. 
Well, I mean, I think you got to put him in there. Why? I mean, you know, he did Why? a lot of winning. He won two Super Bowls, two different teams. So I know what? he wasn't. He wasn't. A, he was. Well, who are you putting ahead of him? Who are you going to put? Roger Storback? You want to get yes. him? You want to get the Uniteds? Listen, okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Dan Marino okay. was a better quarterback than Manning. He didn't have Manning's. Uh, he didn't have Manning's defense of all time. Nobody threw the ball better than Marino. Right. Nobody. Right. I'll give you that. All right. Uh, let me move to the Mets now. So the Terrible. Mets. What a disgrace. I know. The Mets are a disgrace, bro. I know First they are. All, we thought the Wilpons were gone. You know what? Let me tell you right now. Steve Cohen brought this guy in, this David Stearns, who is, of course, smarter than everybody. Another guy that reinvented baseball. You know what I'm saying? He brought this guy in to run the Mets like a small market team. And I'm going to tell you right now. Get ready for this. Buckle up, Mets fans. Enjoy Pete Alonso, because I'm telling you right now, he will not be on the team next year. They will either trade him at the deadline for some stupid prospects, or they're going to let him walk in free agency. You can write it down. I totally, I don't like him. I totally agree. They should resign him already. They haven't no done question. it. Right now, no they question. found out today that uh, Senga, their only really good pitcher. Yeah, I know he's got fatigue. I got arm fatigue right. too. <laughs> yeah. My arm's a little fatigued today yeah. myself, Sid. Right. So and the all Mets... I did was take the groceries in yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So the Mets last year went seventy-five and eighty-seven. <clears throat> only Washington was worse inside the NL East. Twelve games under five hundred. Right. If you think bringing in Luis Severino was going to fix it, you're nuts. So I asked Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who's got a great base. Baseball show every day, high heat, yep. one yep. o'clock, MLB Network. His thoughts on the Mets. I uh, just can't get excited about the Mets. Am I missing something? No, you're not. I totally agree. And the way they handled Buck last year, Stearns was a disgrace. Uh, Buck deserved to come back. They, hand, they handled that terribly. Who knows on Mendoza? It's a flip of a coin if he's going to be any good. I don't care what the Yankees say. Um, you know, why he's the greatest bench coach in the world. Who the hell knows in, in the in, in the in the Cauldron of a huge uh, ball game in, in in July. Is he going to push the right buttons? Who not? You have no idea of knowing that. And the Mets are not that good. I mean, I I think their pitching stinks. I mean, I listen. I think overall, you know, they're due to be a little better because everybody's going to write them off. There's no pressure on them. Both eyes off their back. They had a terrible year last year. I think that will motivate them to a certain degree. And I think they will overachieve from a lineup perspective. And I think that you'll be surprised at times. I think they'd be feisty, but as far as being a good team, how? How? You like that analysis? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think they have a chance to be decent offensively. You know, they still got some guys there. Uh, you know, Lonzo's still there at least for half a year. And, you know, obviously Lindor and, and uh, Nimmo. We'll see what Alvarez does this year. But, I mean, they're not going to – he's right. He's right about the pitching staff. You know, Diaz is back, so that's a big boon to the bullpen. But, come on. They really needed to bring Adovino back. I mean, I please. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I please. I, I want. I get sick when I think about the Mets. No, I agree with you. Now let's get to uh, the Yankees. Here's what Dog yeah. had to say about the Yankees, and then we'll get Beningo's take. Dog on the Yanks. The Yankees. I would be. They would be my pick to win the American League East. Now listen, Houston is very good, and the Yankees never beat Houston. Hater's going to really help that bullpen with Presley. They got Altuve signed. They're going to get Tucker signed. They're going to get Bregman signed. Um, you know, last year they lost game seven to Texas. They were the second best team in baseball. Houston is no – everybody else is up in the air, not Houston. Yankees never beat Houston. Houston owns the Yankees. So that would worry me a little bit because the Houston's got gamers and the Yankees sometimes don't. But, I mean, other than that, Yankees got a hell of a chance playing the World Series. Hell of a chance of playing the World Series. The Yankees, Joe Beningo, your thoughts. 
Yeah, no, I, I, would, I agree with him. Look, I mean, first of all, you got three of the best players in baseball. First of all, you got the best pitcher in Garrett Cole. You got the best all-around player, Sorry, Otani. Otani. Otani's a guy that pitches and he's a DH. The best all-around player in baseball is Aaron Judge. They bring in Juan Soto now. You got to figure he's, he's playing. He's on a one-year deal. You know, he's playing for a contract. You figure he's having a monster year. Uh, I agree. You know, they got to get through Houston. They can't beat Houston. I, I think that's a great assessment by uh, Chris. So with all this said, well, Beningo, Russo, two uh, absolute legends, both of you guys. I say to Joe a couple of days ago off the air, it's a private phone call, and we're talking about sports, and I bring up some team or something, and Beningo says to me, this was great, he goes, Sid, forget about the Mets, forget about the Yankees, forget about the Knicks or the Rangers, who both look very good. Right, right now, Rangers. he goes, right now, I'm worried about my country. I love that. And yeah. you meant that, right? Oh, there's nothing that bothers me more than the country situation with the country right now, bro. I mean, there's really not. And, you know, you watch the news every day. I mean, this nonsense that happened to Don with this uh, absolute disaster, Letitia James and, you know, the $355 million he's got to pay. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's a joke. The guy's getting so hosed all over the place. I mean, we watched this. Uh, it actually was pretty funny with Fannie Willis. How about that? Uh, you know, the other day down in Georgia. Uh, you know, I'm very teed off at, uh, at Nikki Haley. Can she, she, can she get lost already? Let's be honest. <laughs> Nikki Haley is a Democrat, okay? She's getting all this money from Democratic donors. That's the only reason she's hanging in the race. She's going to get a rear-end handed to her on Saturday in South Carolina. Can she get lost already? And let's concentrate on go beating Joe Biden, please. I mean, you know, so I, I'm look, I'm I'm very concerned. I'm concerned about, you know, voter fraud. Who knows how that's going to play? I, look, I totally think the election was was fixed the last time. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I'm very concerned about the country, bro. Very concerned. Do you if think Don doesn't win? If Don doesn't win this election, oh, with that, with that, with that, right. where are we going? But well, he's gonna, uh, you know, but he's going to say this: you can't live up here anymore. No. If, you, if you're a conservative and Don doesn't win, you can't live in the Northeast anymore. Well, I'm surprised you're still here. I mean, I heard when, uh, we, we, when we wrap this me, up me here. Too, me too, Sid. I know. I kept hearing when Beningo retires, he loves golf. He's going to Florida. You're still in New Jersey. Yeah, tell me about it. Thank you. Hey, least, I'll say this. At least New Jersey's not New York because New York is really a disaster. No, I know. I know. Oh, so I, you know I, I, don't have to, I don't have to tell you that. I mean, New York makes New Jersey look like Florida. I know. But I just went through the tea leaves, and it sounded to me, we've got to wrap this up, but it sounded to me like Beningo wants to go to Florida, but his beautiful wife, who I love, I love Terry, is right. making him stay in Jersey because of the kids. That's absolutely, absolutely <laughs> not true. That is absolutely is that true? not true. No? No. So why aren't you in She's Florida? My wife's ready to go anytime. I mean, believe me. So what, what, what's the problem? Well, I mean, you know, right now there's, there's some things that are holding us here. We'll leave it at that. Okay. We'll leave it at that. All right. But, I'm, right. but believe me, bro, like I said, if Don doesn't win in November, you, you can't live up here anymore. I agree. You just can't. So if Don loses in November, you and I are going to try to buy two houses right. and get a two-for-one deal. <laughs> right. You should have never came. I don't know why you ever left Florida in the first place. I mean, you were there. You were entrenched, bro. Why yeah. the hell did you come back to New York? Why? Because I had nine listeners in West Palm Beach, and now I'm yeah, the biggest. Now I'm the biggest star in radio. Well, you, you're up there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you think about stars in radio, you're thinking about Sydney Austin. No <laughs> you, you can't do that in, in Coconut Creek. You can't do that in Boca Raton. You gotta live here. You right. know what I'm saying? Don't forget, yeah. you still have like 12 or 13 years on me. You know what I'm saying? I I gotta still earn for a while. That's true. I do have a few years. I that's right. I am a faded relic at 70 years old. <laughs> 
There's a, well, believe me, believe me, Sid, all I want to do is play golf every day. I can tell you I right know. now. I know. That's it. No, you're great. You're uh, you're great on this show. You're you great on the me, fan. Look, you got it. You're, you're tight with Don. You got to get. You got to get me uh, so I can play golf with Don at least once. At okay. least once. Okay. I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to try to set that up. Okay. I mean it. I, all right. I don't know if I'd be able to swing the club if I was in the presence of Don, but, you know. <laughs> we'll set it up, Joe Beningo. You're great as always. Thank you for hopping on today, buddy. I love you. Beautiful. Thank you. Give me something good, Lou. What the hell is he playing now? Uh, more uh, Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. Okay. See you guys. All See you, along. Joe. All right. The great Joe Beningo. A lot more to do on this program today. Bill O'Reilly, Michael Goodwin, and Alex Freeman. Norm's got the news. Keep it right here. I've been good to you. What about that brand new ring? Doesn't that mean love to you? Doesn't that mean anything? If I threw away my pride and I got down on my knees, would you make me beg you pretty please? Don't pour your love out on me, baby. If you do, then I think that maybe I'll just lay me down. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Thursday morning. Oh, my old buddy, Mike. And I always have difficulty saying his last name. Antonides, I think. He used to work at um, Maimonides Hospital here in uh, Brooklyn. He's actually, he's got a place in Chicago. He lives in New Jersey. He goes, I'm listening right now in Chicago. He says um, he's usually out there for about four days a week. 
It's cold air right now. He said, but man, your show has never sounded better. Mike, he's listened for years. The music, it's funny. You bring back legends like Russo and Beningo. And, um, well, he's right. The show is great. You know, O'Reilly's going to join me in about, um, I don't know, 20 minutes. He's the best. But he's a guy like John Katsimatidis. I've uh, asked them both the same question over the last couple of weeks. Because both complain, and they should, you know, about the migrants and Eric Adams and just life in New York overall. Bill lives in a very high-priced tax area out there by Manhasset. And John must spend who knows what in taxes. And they both say they're never leaving, you know. And I'm the uh, moron that came north when thousands were going south, so I guess we're all in the same boat. But last night, I got to tell you, for all the talk about New York, we're bankrupt, we're dead, it's finished, and I do feel that way quite a bit, I do. Especially when I had to go to the Upper West Side last week to get my body shaved, what? That's right. What? That's right, yeah. Why do you do that? Because these damn barbers, these damn barbers, they have no issue taking the buzzer and putting it on somebody's nasty, oily head. Uh But as soon as I asked to do my back for 40 bucks, like, no, we don't do that. Wait, you went to a barber shop and you asked the barber to shave your body. Well, here's how it goes. That's not what they do. Here's how it goes. That's not what they do. When I used to live, hold on, I used to live on 104th and West End, okay? So there's a barber shop on 104th and Broadway uh-huh. next door to the McDonald's. Yeah. So for seven years, I would go there, get my head shaved, uh-huh. and the same guy would take the buzzer and buzz my back, my chest, and my arms. <laughs> because when you're as built as I am, I got a beautiful body, you got to shave it. Okay. You know, when you're fat like you guys, it doesn't matter. Right. So We're all fat. Yeah. yeah. So now... <laughs> You move out of Manhattan, and nobody in Brooklyn will do it. Nobody in Queens will do it. I'm like, what are you worried about? You know, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, I guess monkey pox <laughs> or COVID, I don't know. what they signed up for, bro. You don't go to barber school and learn how to shave somebody's chest with the same razor you just shave their head. Well, fine. So, that, so I got to take the train now once a month <laughs> to the Upper West Side to get my body shaved. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know why you just don't go get a, a nice uh, how, am I, how am I going to? Oh, I don't want to do that. Why not? It's too painful. Uh, see? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I walk around the Upper West Side. I got to tell you, man, it is depressing. I don't care what Suzanne Miller, Corey Selnick, anybody tells me. Every other store is out of business for rent. Besides the people, I mean, they're just gross. It's gross. Mm-hmm. But last night, I went to not one but two hot, trendy New York places. Rosanna Scotto's Restaurant Fresco. It's Wednesday night, folks. Wednesday night, not Saturday. Couldn't get a table. Could not get a table. The place was packed. Packed. And then, for the second time in about a week, I went with my uh, great friend Keith Kantrowitz to go, uh, I went to Zizi, which is a club that is owned by the restaurant Carbone, the Italian restaurant. Just like Cipriani's has their own club, Casa Cipriani, and we go back and forth between Casa and Zizi. And ZZ, Wednesday night, packed. And let me tell you, you can't leave that place without, uh, first of all, you have to become a member of that place. It's like 50 Gs. You can't even get in unless you're a member. So I'm saying to myself, for all we hear, Noam, about New York going bankrupt, and we are. 
and the billions we owe and all the migrants, the rich people in New York, the really rich people, because you're not going to ZZ on a Wednesday night if you're making 50000 a year. You're not going to Rosanna's restaurant if you're producing the Sit and Friends in the Morning Show. Let's be honest. The rich people, they're living like rich people. You know what I'm saying, Noam? It's still the greatest playground for the wealthy. And so that's why they're still here and they're not going anywhere. More than Vegas? Yeah. Oh, you think New York on, is really? still the biggest? What do you mean, really? Yeah, I, there's no comparison. There really isn't. No comparison? To Vegas? No. In terms of being a Vegas playground for adults? De- yeah, Vegas is kind of depressing, I think. New well, York City. It is. You know what? You're right about that. The gambling aspect is you see these old people. They're like, they got like, like I miss. They got respirators. <laughs> right. You know, they got like one bag from Fresh Direct. That's right. all their stuff. And they're gambling. That is depressing. But it ain't depressing when you walk by the bar and you got 19 gorgeous escorts, is it? Maybe not. Yeah. But you can get that here if you want it. Well, you get very much more difficult. Well, I shouldn't say that. Because some of these restaurants, I'll give you an example. I have a buddy, he's in Fort Lauderdale. I'm not going to say his name. Not going to say his name. But he spends an inordinate amount of money. I'm not talking about hookers or escorts. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. I don't care. But he spends a ton of money strategically placing beautiful women at the bar. Because I don't care who you are. Now, if you go with your wife and your kids, it's one thing. But like our men's club, for example, we go out every month. Me, Kantrowitz, Anthony Carone, all these great guys. And restaurant owners know this. Even the guys stick together. Eric Adams joined us last week. They like to see pretty women at the place. Whether you talk to them, you know them, it doesn't matter. So you know there are restaurant owners that spend a fortune Placing good-looking women at the bar. You know that, right? Of course. Uh, of course. Why do you think they let them in in a club first and they keep guys Well, away? that's true, right. That's the, right. It's the same concept. Right. Of so. course. They like they want the place filled with women. They do. Beautiful women. They do. It's, it's completely And even attracts, last night, there were, there, were, there were a couple ladies sitting at the bar. One, I, I remember saying to Keith, looked exactly like Margot Robbie. Exactly. I don't think it was her, but the point is, the rich are still living rich. And um, I'm glad I'm friends with those guys. Because <laughs> I got a chance to see it, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right, right, right. I just want to taste it. So, so when's the next dinner with you guys? Yeah. 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 Actually, I'm uh, around. I'll peer in through the window. Monday night? Yeah. Monday night. All right. got to take a, a short break. We will come back. Phil O'Reilly still coming on today. Michael Goodwin and Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem. Sitting friends in the morning. Doesn't get better than this, folks. Doesn't. I'm swimming in the circle I feel I'm going down There has to be a ball To play in my part Someone thought of me there But all I really want to know Oh, won't you Show me the way Every day I want you
seven WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The president grabbed the phone and jumped on with me and talked to me for about five minutes. And he was in a great mood. Now, this, you have to understand, you know this. Like an hour before the judge came down with that ruling, he knew that. He knew that. Yet he's on the phone with me on Friday, yucking it up and having a great time. Uh, it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, he really is a, a fierce fighter. He's passionate and resilient, right? Like, he does it, and he really, truly is happy. He's okay, you know? I think that's the thing. They want to break his spirit. Um, it's not going to happen. Their world would be better if they didn't have somebody who was going to come in and hold people accountable. And that's what this is really all about. It's not about real estate. It's not about defamation. It's not about any of that. They're trying to hit him from all angles, all sides, and it's just uh, just not working, I'm sorry to tell you. Here's the thing. So you're going to appeal this, and um, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to win. But but before yeah. all that, if I'm correct, again, if I'm wrong, just correct me, uh, you still have to post that money yeah. in the next yeah. 30 days. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so you post the money, you start the appeal process, and again, I'm asking for expertise, how long could that take? in an effort to get this back? Years. Years? Yeah. It depends. You know, it depends. The appellate division, the courts are backed up in general. Um, of course, we're going to try and expedite everything. But, uh, you know, the appeals process is not a quick one. Uh, motions on appeal, appeals of trial records are, you know, 11 weeks of trial and going in and drafting that and then opposition from the other side and then a reply from our side. It's, uh, it's you know, it could absolutely take a year, two years. I mean, it depends on the speed of the appellate division, but it, it, it's definitely a long haul. So he's going to post over 400, assuming he does this, he's going to post over $400 million and then have to wait maybe a year, two years, three years to win the appeal to get that money back? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, yeah. Modern English, I love this song. That's uh, trumpet Tony Alina Hava. She was on with me yesterday explaining this whole deal that my friend Trump is going through. You know, before I get to O'Reilly, right now on Fox and Friends, uh, Ainsley is talking to this Arizona prosecutor who refuses to extradite this murder suspect back to New York City because she says that Alvin Bragg basically is a pussy. She's right, he is. He's, he's worse than that. He's actually corrupt. He's a criminal. He's a racist. He's garbage. But he is a pussy. So you got this uh, guy who meets up with this lady in a Soho hotel in New York City, some psycho. And uh, he um, bashes her brains in with an iron. It was so bad they found pieces of metal from the iron embedded in her skull. So this scumbag runs to Phoenix. They find him. And now their DA in Phoenix, this Rachel Mitchell, who I just saw on television, who I love dearly, like a relative, she ain't sending this guy back because she's afraid Alvin Bragg will let him go. Now Bragg has come back and said, ha ha, New York has half the murder rate of Phoenix, and who the hell is she to play political games in a murder investigation? Hey, Alvin, suck it. Give me the latest Those on that. Those stats uh, mean nothing, too, yeah, compared to what cares? he does. That's not does a reflection of what of his not. actions. By the way, a lot of the crime in Arizona, Mr. Bragg, dummy, 
is because of the immigration issue. They have more cartel crime in the state of Arizona than Texas, than any state in the country. You know, they just arrested three guys in Phoenix for breaking into people's homes. Illegal immigrants. They stole over $3 million worth of stuff. So what's the latest, No, you, you have it pretty right. But Rachel Mitchell is the Maricopa County attorney. You want to hear what she sounded like yesterday? I do, yes. Observed, uh, having observed uh, the treatment of violent criminals in the New York area by the Manhattan DA there, Alvin Bragg, I think it's safer to keep him here and keep him in custody. Yes, yeah, so she's told her lawyers to fight the extradition. So great. I only hope that our idiot governor, and she's an idiot, she really is, this Kathy Hochul, she's the only person who has the ability to fire Alvin Bragg. She was finally critical of Bragg a couple of weeks ago. Who cares? Fire him. But she won't do it because there's a Democrat machine in play here, plus Bragg is trying to put Trump away. So Kathy Hochul makes me sick as well. But, hey, Kathy, baby, take a listen. Out in Arizona, they're lapping at us. They're lap. By the way, our people are moving out of our state, going to their state, dummy. Take a listen. In Phoenix, the DA has no respect for your DA in Manhattan. That ought to tell you something. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Biden and the executive order. That's the news that's just coming across on our watch. What do you make of his suggestion that he's looking at this? I don't know. Are the ice cream shops closed in California? Maybe he didn't have anything to do. You know, as you pointed out, he could have done this when things started getting out of control three years ago. So now he's desperate. The Democratic Party's desperate. Um, Biden, you know, this is his big deficit right now. It's neck and neck with inflation. Biden doesn't want to fix the border. The progressives like the open border. They can they feel they'll prosper from uh, foreign nationals streaming in here in the future. That's what it's all about. There's no way on earth that this should be happening. There's no rational reason to allow more than 10 million foreign nationals unsupervised in the country and bankrupting local municipalities in the process. New York City is going to be bankrupt because of this. They're now going to pay migrants $15,000 a year. They don't have the money. My man, Bill O'Reilly. That's News Nation, the other Cuomo brother, Chris. (laughs) Bill does a great job on that show. He's an important voice on that show because... Most of the people that watch that show, quite frankly, are morons. Are liberals are morons. So Bill goes on there and uh, teaches them a thing or two. You know what I'm saying? Because Bill's the best. Whether it's weeknights here on WABC at 9 p.m. or his own great website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews. Great TV. Great columns. His Killing Series, now 13. And he's got a new book coming out, which he talked about when he joined me on President's Day, which I'm so excited about. He actually goes through every president from Washington to current-day Biden. That'll be out this fall. And uh, listen, he's just the best of all time. That's the bottom line. My friend Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning, buddy. How are you? Um, uh, okay. You know, I'm uh, working way too hard for an old guy. <laughs> yeah, you do you work know, hard, Old man. guys, this, this is what I don't understand about my life. I should be in a golf cart playing pickleball somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Uh. 
the guys that I went to college with, that I played sports with, all of those guys, I mean, they're out there on the putting greens. They're, you know, you talk about the rich people in New York uh, dining at these places and all that. I mean, and then here I am, okay, <laughs> to my eyebrows in work. And I'm going, why am I doing this? I really, it's really a neurosis. I am neurotic. There's no doubt. No, it, it's, 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 I'll give you a little more credit on that because the truth is, if we're having an honest conversation, you can afford to do it. You can move down to Delray Beach tomorrow. You can play sure. pickleball. You you can play golf. You can have a nice 5 o'clock dinner on Atlantic Avenue. You'd have a wonderful life. Uh, but you can't do that because, and here it comes, you're too smart. You're too smart. It, it isn't that, I don't think. It's I get so annoyed and sometimes even angry at, at the unfairness of our country that I've got to have a place to vent. That's why I work. I sit here. And you're right. I'm comfortable. Uh, I've worked hard my whole life. I can do what I want to do. I could go over to Switzerland and yodel. I could go to Tahiti and do the little fire dance. I can do all of that. But it gets me so angry. And um, when I see people like me, you know, from Levittown, uh, from Brooklyn, from the Bronx, wherever, working their butt off to try to improve their station in life and give their family a nice life. And every time they turn around, they're getting it right between the eyes by the corrupt, incompetent people who are running our country and our state. Well, that's true. So I guess um, you can't help yourself because – you know, you feel like you you get angry. You gotta you gotta put your voice out there. But I yeah. would ask you this: Do you feel like at this point there's a bigger obligation? Because one thing you always talk about, and you've been more accurate than anybody on this, is the corrupt media. I've actually at this point, Bill O'Reilly, I have designated the media here in the United States as domestic terrorists. I really believe that's true because their rhetoric is so. Uh, they lie so much. They cause so much controversy. People get killed. So you've been on top of that forever. Do you feel like, above and beyond what you want to do, that you have an obligation because the media is so corrupt, you're obligated to tell the truth? Well, I want to have, I want to create a place where people can go, and we have done that, BillOReilly.com, to set the record straight. So. This is a, a good example because it goes against <clears throat> what we usually see, which is corruption in the liberal media. This guy, Alexander Smirnov, you know him, who uh, accused Biden uh, of taking $5 million and Hunter Biden of $5 million from Burisma yeah. cash. It turns out this guy lied, right? Well, we don't know yet, but he's arrested and charged with lying to the FBI when he said that, I did not cover that story. I didn't mention the man's name. Why not? Now, everybody else did on on the liberal media ignored it, but they mentioned it. And the conservative media ran wild with it. And I didn't mention it one time. And the reason I didn't do that was because I couldn't verify any of this. Hmm. 
I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know what his motive was. There was no way I could verify what he said, so I didn't report it. I'm one of the few that didn't report it. And that's what I do. I set up this apparatus where if you watch or listen to me on WABC, I'm not going to tell you stuff that's speculative. I'm not going to spin it. I'm going to tell you the truth as far as we know it. And if we don't know it, I'm not going to report it. But, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll make opinions, which yeah, is speculative. have to be based on facts. So here's an opinion. James Biden goes into the House Oversight Committee yesterday, right? Right. And he says to the Congress people, and this is in the impeachment inquiry, and by the way, Biden's not going to get impeached. So anybody rooting for that or think it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. All right. The Republicans are going to try to embarrass the president, but they're going to streamline it down so that the election tells the tale. They're not going to bother with this stuff because there's too much backlash on it. But anyway, James goes in. Now, I know. A hundred percent that James Biden and Hunter Biden enriched themselves by selling influence to foreign concerns. And how do I know that? banking records that Congress has in their possession show about $20 million flowing into these guys, their companies. For what? (laughs) They didn't do anything. They didn't get up at 2 in the morning like you and go to work. Nope. They did nothing. So I know that. And everybody should know it. Some people don't care. I, you know, I, I debated Cuomo on this last night on News Nation. He goes, oh, shouldn't we just stop this? I said, what? I, you know, selling influence is a felony. 100%. All right? That's a crime. Right. And you don't want to know. And I said that to him yeah. on News Nation. Good for I you. Said, you don't want to know. Right. But they can't get enough, Chris Cuomo and the rest of these guys. Of all the Donald Trump stuff, which is the yeah. most fabricated but you case understand, ever. I yeah. understand why they're doing that. But when you go back, to, and then James Biden goes in and says, oh, I, my brother, the president had nothing to do with our businesses. Well, what do you think he going to say? <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. And then there, there's CNN last night going, well, we ought to stop this now. Sure, fine. Yeah. I mean, come on. So as the media declines... And as it becomes more and more difficult for working people to get any kind of valid information, I feel guilty if I don't do what I've been trained to do. And that's why I'm here whining on (laughs) WHO. You're not whining, but you just answered my question, yes, which was, do you feel a certain obligation, Bill, to do this, even if you don't want to do it? And the answer is yes. And by the way, we are glad you do. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, I am going to ask Bill O'Reilly to not just give us facts, but speculate as well. The greatest in the history of our business, Bill O'Reilly, will be back with me right after this. Jesse James. She put me through some changes, Lord, sort of like a wearing blender. Poor 
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Folks, as we've done all week long, we go till 11 o'clock today and tomorrow. Brian Kilmeade still on vacation. So uh, for the fourth consecutive day today, we'll go till 11. And Alex Trayman will join us from JNS.org, live from Jerusalem. He's terrific. And it looks like I'm going to have Mike Piazza in the 10 o'clock hour tomorrow. Just another voice to try to convince Jim Flippin, who won't listen to anybody, whether it's Russo or Beningo, that the Mets stink. You know when I go to Met games, before I get back to Trump and all these politics, you know what takes me to a lot of Met games? Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Bill is a diehard Met fan, and uh, he's honest about everything. So before we get back to Trump and all that, I know you go to a lot of games every year. I told Russo two days ago, I don't remember the last time I was less enthusiastic about a Met season than I am right now. How do you feel about the Mets? Well, number one, I want you to say hello to Piazza for me. <clears throat> Good guy. Yes. Um, quintessential New York guy. Um, you know, played hard and um, was really uh, extraordinary in his career. Um, he, I've spent uh, a little bit of time with him, and he's just a top-rate guy, so just tell him I said hello. Uh, I don't know about the Mets. The Japanese pitcher Senga now is a sore arm, and, you know, that's the problem is that these guys, uh, the teams depend on them so much, and then they get hurt, and then the whole season goes south. So what the Mets are doing now is they're rolling the dice on the younger players, and we don't know whether the younger players are going to perform. And that's why everybody is kind of a – and the Yankees are almost the same way – in the sense that, yeah, on paper, it looks like you're competitive, but we don't know. But I think the Mets are going to do better than people expect because there's stability uh, in the lineup. And if you look at it across the board, third base is a problem. Um, and I hope this guy, uh, Beatty, uh, the younger uh, player, I hope he gets it uh, and, and, and hits enough. But I think that they're going to do okay. Um, they loaded up with a lot of people that nobody ever heard of. And it's basically we're hoping one out of four comes through. <laughs> right. So I'm not down on them. Um, you know, I'm, um, you and I will go to a couple of games this summer. And, Love that. You know, when that happens, uh, the whole stadium just goes into a <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we got to make our way into uh, Cohen's box again because – 
I met uh, Steve Cohen through you two years ago at a Met yes. Cubs game because I have to ask him, other than maybe Anthony Scaramucci, your neighbor in his ear, why in a million years would you ever give him one dollar to Chris Christie? Take that money and give it to the Mets. I mean, come on. What was he thinking? Well, they're pals. You know how it is. Is that what it is? Everybody yeah. knows everybody and then that kind of thing. Okay, so answer this for me. Uh, Christie's long gone. Okay, so here's Nikki Haley. Okay. I yeah. get it. I get it, Bill. Yeah. Anti-Trumpers say, hey, Trump, they'll do anything. But come on. She has no chance. She's lost by double digits everywhere. Didn't even show up in Nevada. She's down by 32 right now in South Carolina. And if she stays around till Super Tuesday, do you realize she's losing all 15 states and at least seven of those states? She's down by 60 points, and she's still collecting millions and millions of dollars. Are people that, that wealthy or that stupid? Look, I don't know about the donors, but I do know that it, if I'm Nikki Haley, I stay in. Why not? What else does she have to She's do? She's embarrassing herself. Ah, you know, number one, she gets to keep all the money that's donated to her, even if she drops out. Okay, just think about that for a moment. Really? So if you donate to a political action committee or a candidate, they get to keep the money. Right. Don't have to give it back. Yeah. That's uh, so why Cuomo governor of New York, he can run again for whatever he wants to run for because he's got a war chest of money that was given to him years ago that he can spend on anything he wants, not personal stuff. Right, right. He can't go and buy a Gucci bag. Right. George Santos can't get Botox. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hello, so, George. If you're Nikki Haley yeah. and you don't have a job and you don't have anything to do, and you're getting all this media coverage and becoming very famous. You're saying, you know, in four years, I'm going to be a front runner nope. in the Republican Party. Couldn't disagree more. In fact, what she should do, to your point, is become a Democrat because that's all she's good for right now. Because if Trump wins, she certainly no, she finished. Can't. Just her, listen, just her posture on abortion, she could never in a million but, but years Bill, be a Democrat. She's murdering herself. I'm a Trump guy. I can't stand her. I, I despise know, her I as know, much. But yeah, but people's, what? People's memories are short. No, they're not. Not when it comes to Trump. Oh, no, they're no, not. No, and no, I, mean, and no, I would no, tell no. you this. And I would tell you this. Whoever he picks as vice president, I don't no. care if it's Stefanik, DeSantis. I don't care if it's uh, the Tulsi Gabbard. That person has a huge inside track on being the 2012 candidate, not the one who trashed the guy that may very well be president twice in three terms. I want uh, Trump to pick Travis Kelsey as vice president. (laughs) That's what I want, because you can then sick Travis. You can go and yell. You can yell at them. You can hover over them. And then if you pick Travis Kelsey as VP, Tay-Tay has to endorse Trump. <laughs> That's true. Okay? Yeah, you can use that. So, so this is why I am an advisor to all these politicians. Travis Kelty for BP. I you love it. Tay-Tay <laughs> in the bargain. He could use Tay-Tay's help. But on a serious note, whoever he picks out of these six people, he made the point very clear a couple of days ago, look, the VP doesn't win it for the president. I'll pick somebody great. I'll love this person. But I'm going to win this based on my own merit. Sure. And, and it ain't going to be Nikki. So so what do you, what do you, you know, you've been uh, pretty adamant that you didn't think Joe Biden was going to be there in November. No. You still feel that way? Yes, I do. 
I mean, this guy can barely walk to the car. So what's the exit then? How does it happen? It It's an easy exit. You do what LBJ did in 1968. So somewhere in the middle of June, he writes a letter and, and or holds – he's never going to hold a press conference, but he makes an announcement that because of health reasons, I'm not – going to run for re-election, and I'm going to put all the delegates that I have at the disposal of the convention. Well, let me ask you this. Who convinces him to do that? Because I've had other conversations with people not as smart as you. I'll give you that. Yeah, but they're like, he's not gonna, giving it up. I, he doesn't want to give it up, but more importantly, his wife doesn't want to give it up, and she's calling all the shots. Right. All right, so she loves the power and doesn't want to give it up. But there comes a point in everybody's life where you just can't function. And he's rapidly getting to that point. He's not going to be able to function. You know, and I saw it, and, I, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with my own mother. My mother deteriorated in the same age level that he is from a vibrant woman into somebody who could basically stay in the house all the time. And that's what's going to happen to him. If you just watch his walk, his gait, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he, it's you're going, this is not going in the right direction. So it's almost a race against time. Uh, but I still don't believe that he's going to be there. However, I could be wrong, obviously. Well, the other question is, if they can't convince Michelle Obama to do it, I don't know what they do. I don't know. I don't know. You know, then it becomes a free for all uh, where Whitmer in Michigan and uh, the guy who has a th now a seventy five billion dollar deficit in California. Mm. Newsom. Mm. Can you imagine that? He came in with a surplus <laughs> because Governor Jerry Brown was the cheapest guy in the world. Yeah. OK. I mean, Jerry Brown was looking at uh, how many paper clips did we get this week? I mean, he was a real micromanager. And he and he left the state of Florida. And he left the governorship with a surplus. And this guy's going to run a 75. Come on. you can't. But anyway, they'll all go in and they'll all make their case. And then the delegates will vote for the who the delegates think can beat Trump. In the uh, final 60 to 90 seconds. One of the things that uh, one of the very many things you do very well is you criticize Trump when he needs to be criticized. You give him credit when he needs credit. And and uh, Trump respects the hell out of you. I know that for a fact. That's a fact. Respects the hell out of you. How do you think Trump is doing so far? Because if I hear from one more person, oh, if Trump was a little nicer, I'm begging you to stop. How do you think Trump is doing so far? Well, look, he's holding his own in the sense that I have never seen a human being able to absorb more punishment than Donald Trump ever. Ever. I mean, I'm, and I'm going back to Floyd Patterson <laughs> getting killed by Sonny Liston. Right. All right. That's a good one. That's how far I'm going. Right. I have never seen right. anybody absorb this kind of punishment. And it's because he compartmentalizes Trump. I mean, he's there, he's there, and then wherever he goes, it's a whole different thing. He's not thinking about where he just has been. But I think that, and I've told him this time and time again, his record is what he should be touting rather than the feuds. But that being said, he has a perfect right to tell America that this prosecution in New York City, in Atlanta, 
uh, the special counsel about this kind of theoretical conspiracy on January 6th. This is designed to take your vote away, and it is voter suppression. And that is a huge, huge thing, that if this continues, every single person who runs for office puts themselves at risk for somebody like Letitia James to come in and ruin their life. Yeah. And think about it. This is what Putin does. This is what the mullahs in Iran do. Yeah. You oppose them, they break you. Yeah, look at Navalny. Absolutely. And it's the same concept. It's just getting underway in America. But this New York thing, this $350 million thing, that's one of the worst political scandals of all time in this country. Agreed. So do you think that that will end up getting Trump both? Because we talk about, you yes. know, Trump's fate. Well, you, you think yes. you, you now let me ask you this. Independence, maybe. Do you think even some fair minded Democrats would exit the party and vote for Trump based on this? No, no way. OK. Really? Nope. That's depressing. It's peer pressure. I mean, if you're a Democrat, an outspoken Democrat, yeah. a liberal person, and you say, you know, I think I might vote for Donald Trump, you're going to lose no. all your friends. Well, all your friends. Well, 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 what if you're not outspoken? What if you just go into well, the polls? Yeah, if you're a stealth guy, yes. sure. But, you know, you're talking about Democrats who are proud to wave the open border yeah. flag. Morons. Yeah, we yeah. want more open border. Come on! Idiots. In. Idiots. So right remember now, that guy, yeah. that guy, come on down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Price is right in Florida. <laughs> no, no, he was selling little houses. Oh, the guy. Come on the, down. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I find know. him yeah. and make a TV commercial and put him in El Paso. Go, hey, <laughs> oh, we want more. Come on. Oh, Phoenix. Eric Adams just got your check. Yeah, exactly. Hold up a little check sound by Eric Adams. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, if the election was tomorrow, tomorrow you can't call it. Can't you can't, can't call, call it? it? You don't think Trump would win relatively easily? Uh, no, no. I think it'd be close because it's so the dynamic is so fluid in this country. I mean, black voters, for example, if they stay at only 60% for Biden, which is what the polls say, then Trump wins. Right. But if something happens um, where they defect, then it's very, very tight. Believe me when I tell you. It, it, you cannot call it at this point, but something is going to happen. I said this on the No Spin News. Something is going to happen between now and and election day that will define this race because it's always happened in America when we reach a crisis point and we are there something happens oh my god you know that's ominous and exciting at the same time if that's possible well that's why I'm not playing pickleball <laughs> Thank God you're not. Another am another amazing. What can I say? You're the best. This was great. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Thank All you. Right, Thanks for having me. How about Thanks. that? How great was that, Bill O'Reilly? At the very end, he goes, you ready for this? Something is going to happen. You get chills. 
Something's going to happen, Louis. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, that, I just felt a chill in the atmosphere. I'm telling you, bro. The, the protoplasm of the Earth has just I am telling up. you. Wow. Big Bill. Billy O'Reilly. We'll be back. Right Something here. is happening soon. Hidden friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises and the songs of yesterday. I love White Snake. You know that, Lewis. Here I go again, White Snake. So, was this the song where the uh, the hot one who used to bang O.J. Simpson, then she beat up Hall of Fame pitcher, no, actually All Star pitcher, her husband Chuck Finley with a pair of shoes? You knew you'd have the pitcher's name right there. Yeah, Chuck Finley. She beat him up. She uh, took her heel into his head or yes. something. She, she was him. on the on the uh, hood of the Corvette. Was that this song? Yeah. What was that psycho's one. name again? She was pretty, but a psycho. Uh, oh, hold on. Kate. Kate, Kate oh, oh, you got to know this. Come on. Um, she used to bang O.J. Oh, right. You're yelling at me. One okay. of the, one of the uh, many white pretty girls that O.J. Simpson uh, got to bang. Including the one he killed. I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to. Yeah, you're going to have to know this. She was married to Chuck. Tony Katane. Tony Katane. Very good. Look at you. Uh, today's <laughs> a big day in the in the Rosenberg family. <laughs> Useless information. <laughs> yeah, here Post we go again. Lou Rapino comment report. <laughs> Before I get to the great New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin, who's as good as anybody in the country. In fact, the New York Post has the two best writers in the country. Not even close. Michael Goodwin and Miranda Devine. So um, I've got three sisters. My baby sister, Elizabeth, baby sister, she's like 50, 55, 55, but uh, she's my baby sister, and she lives in uh, a lovely place, Parkland, Florida. Then I've got my sister, Ray Sherry, you hear about her and Albert quite a bit. I lived with them for a while in Brooklyn when I first came back to New York in 2016, and then you hear about my older sister a lot, <laughs> that is Alana. And uh, Alana and Harry, and they're beautiful family. Uh, today is my sister Alana's birthday, 
and she's listening right now. I believe she's in Florida. She spends time in, in New City as well with her beautiful daughter, but uh, my niece Tamara. But wherever she is and listening right now, I want to wish my oldest sister, Alana, who I love very much, a very happy, healthy, and enjoyable birthday. And uh, Harry's birthday, her husband, was uh, two days ago. He's on the 20th, and Alana is on the 22nd. So happy birthday to both of you, Alana and Harry, and I love you both. But let's get to uh, Michael Goodwin. Uh, Michael's last couple of columns, this is where Alana shuts the show off. <laughs> She's like, I love you, brother. Thank you. I got to go now because uh, Michael has been going off on Joe Biden like I do every day. Uh, Michael, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, sir. Thank you. Uh, reading your columns lately bring me such incredible joy. <laughs> I can't begin to tell you. And, and, and only so because... you're not alone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, only because you're telling the truth. I mean, look, uh, you know, you... You know, you tried. I mean, you tried, right? You, you really, and you did the same thing with Eric Adams. And I give you a lot of credit because, you know, you go into this with an open mind. And, you know, you really thought, in fact, that Eric would be a, a terrific mayor. But when they do something wrong, whether it's Adams with the migrants or Biden with the Israelis, you are quick to criticize, which you should do. That's your job. That's why you're great at your job. And lately, Biden has done nothing right. I mean nothing right in the Israeli situation. Yes or no? Oh, you're right. But I, I, let, me, let me just talk for a second, if I could, because I think it's an interesting point you're making, Sid, about supporting someone as a journalist and then criticizing them. You know, when I was the editorial page editor of the Daily News, Mort Zuckerman was the owner. And we had endorsed Rudy Giuliani in 1993, and yet we soon found ourselves in all kinds of squabbles with him on the editorial page, but also in the, in the news section. And I, we wrote one very tough editorial one time, and Mort Zuckerman, the owner, who's still alive, though, um, said to me, look, um, I agree with you on this editorial, but the point is, the larger point is that we supported him. And he's got lots and lots of critics who hate him and who would who didn't support him. Let's be careful that we don't become indistinguishable from the people who hate him and who never would have supported him in the first place. And I've always remembered that guidance because I think it, it, it informs me today that when you've supported someone, you give them a little extra room, a little extra space, a few more extra chances. But after a point you no longer are compelled to do that. At some point, when they continue to sort of fix what is clearly broken, when they go down a path that isn't working and won't stop, then, then you have a duty to your readers and to yourself to be honest about how you, how you now view them, the changes that you have gone through uh, to where you are. And that's sort of how I would say about most politicians. Uh, with, with Biden, I did not vote for him. I, I always thought he'd be a terrible president, but he is president. And so you have to give him a little bit of leeway. He does have powers that, that you may not agree with, but that he is the president and he enjoys the office. I mean, it's not something the, the media ever gave Donald Trump the same runway. Uh, he was dead from day one as far as they were concerned, just a matter of how they were going to impeach him. Uh, nonetheless, I do think that we've reached a, a, a tipping point with Biden on Israel. 
this is this has changed dramatically. He is now no longer really supporting Israel. I mean, he's still in some ways saying enough things that he's not completely cutting them off. But the but betrayal at the United Nations yep. is, I think, really yep. telling. Yep. It yep. is the most important part of what he's doing now. You know, I was given an award a couple of weeks ago, talking about the United Nations, at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, Mike. And um, ironically, the guy that gave me the award, it's a very prestigious award, it's called the Guardians of Israel. The guy that gave me the award is actually the U.N. ambassador to Israel, Gilad Erdan. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and he's furious at Biden. He's furious with the whole administration. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has made decisions and statements based upon two things. His relationship with Iran, and whether I use the word complicit or not doesn't matter. We both agree that in two administrations, it's part of the problem. And now he's making decisions based on votes. He is so deathly afraid he's not going to carry Dearborn, Michigan, or some Somalia neighborhood in Minnesota, that he's willing to put Bibi Netanyahu on the fire to get votes in a state like Michigan. That is grotesque at a time like this. Absolutely. And it, it, it is, it, leave aside Israel for a second, the, the, the moral imperative, the National security of America is very much tied to Israel. We're not dependent on them, but they're on our side, and we are on their side. And and, and Iran is the focus of all of this, as you say. And to to the Iranian government, uh, Israel is the little Satan. America is the great Satan. So when you begin to play around with Israel's existence, apart from the morality of that, you are playing around with America's existence. You are the commander-in-chief. You can't do that. And yet, by refusing to take on Iran, by, by refusing to admit what Hamas is and to let Israel finish them, you, you are now playing into Iran's hands. You are all this stuff about, you know, the tactical responses to all of these attacks. All these were carried out by groups funded and affiliated with Iran. All these attacks on American uh, bases in Iraq, in Syria, the Houthis, Hamas, Hezbollah, these are all Iranian groups. They are all funded by Iran. They are all trying to carry out the mission of Iran, which is to eliminate Israel, to eliminate the great Satan, and to take over its regional dominance first, and then its world dominance. That's their plan. As nutty as it sounds, they are doing what they can yep. to carry it out. And we cannot tolerate it. We can't, I'm not saying we should, we should invite a war, but we have to do more than, than hit them back on the toe with a, with a small hammer. Well, let me ask you we this. have to let them know, stop it. Right, and so, we have to show them there will be a giant penalty, not a right. tit for tat. I agree. So let me ask you this. One of the things that Donald Trump did, one of the many things he did very well was... When he was in power, Iran was dead. They had nothing. You know, he actually imposed 1,500 sanctions on Iran, almost a sanction a day. And and you want to talk about payback, he blew Soleimani into a 1,000 pieces. So outside of killing a guy like Soleimani, why wouldn't at the very least 
Biden and America consider dropping a bomb on their oil fields, hitting them right in the wallet, which Donald Trump did and rendered them for years impotent. Yes. Well, uh, two quick points. One is that the Times had a story the other day how much oil that is illegally getting shipped around the world from Iran to to ports around the world. Russia, China, Uh, all of them, billions of dollars. I mean, if the Times found this out, certainly the government knows, and it did nothing about it. The the second point about what Trump did and and what Biden won't do, just think of two things. When he did that, Biden said, I wouldn't have done that. He condemned it, right? He condemned when Trump uh, took out Soleimani. He also said, remember, he would not have gone after Osama bin Laden. Yes. Right? So this is a guy who doesn't know how to do this. He's, he's always afraid of escalation, and he should be afraid of escalation, but he should not be paralyzed by that. He, that's what he has a military for, to figure out how we can do a significant thing that will really stop them without leading to World War III. He, but he doesn't even think. It's like he makes all the decisions. Look at the <laughs> withdrawal from Afghanistan. The military told him don't do it that way. He did it anyway. Yeah. I mean, he just always knows best. He and uh, Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, I mean, they are really the gang that can't shoot straight. Oh, the great Jimmy Breslin. That was a great book about the Gallo brothers. And you're right. That's what they are. And 13 soldiers ended up dying in Afghanistan. You can include Lloyd Austin, Millie, all these guys. This is the most inept administration in the history of the world. And yet what's annoying me a little bit, Michael, is when the special counsel comes out a couple of weeks ago and goes, Here's the deal. He's not a bad guy. You know, he's old. He's old. He forgets, you know. So they almost made him sound like your loving grandfather living in, you know, Delray or Pompano Beach who's suffering from dementia, who's not a bad guy. And I'm here to tell you, Joe Biden, and I don't care if you agree or disagree, you're entitled. He's a bad guy. He's corrupt. I am still convinced that him, his brother Jimmy, and his son Hunter, they've made millions of dollars. He has destroyed this country by some of his moves, which again continues to show how little he cares about Israel. So he's not just some old, doddering, old man deserving of our sympathy. And my feeling is, based upon these latest reports, too many people are quick to feel badly for the guy. Not me. He's a bad guy. Oh, I agree with you uh, on that. Um, I think that the the corruption that he did to, to me, Sid, one of the one of the things of the corruption with the family and all that. And yet, on the other hand, this pretending to be the, the boy from Scranton and the lunch pail senator and all of that. Um, it's cynicism. There's a deep, deep cynicism about him that you go out to the public and you put on this face. But privately, you throw down the hammer and say, we need the money. Take the money, son. Get the money, son. Come on, Jim Biden. Get out there and make some money for the family. That, to me, is the ultimate kind of cynicism, preaching virtue and practicing vice. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think is despicable in, in, in a man who is now leading this country and supposedly the free world. I mean, the, the, there's a hollow center there. I think a heartlessness, a cynicism, you know, this don't screw with and nobody 
screws with the Biden family. It's like a gangster talk. <laughs> it really is. So on the way out in the final, I don't know, 90 seconds, here is a Biden garnering all this sympathy. Yet the guy, and I know he's not a sympathetic figure. He's a good friend of mine. I'm going down to see him in two weeks, Donald Trump. He's not necessarily a quote-unquote sympathetic figure. But what they've done to this guy, like you mentioned, you talked about it, Michael, for the better part of seven years, from the day he got on the escalator, they've been relentless. Ninety percent of the media lying, beating him up. This latest thing with Letitia James, I got to ask you, you've been the, the number one writer at the number one paper for a long time. Have you ever seen anything more despicable than what Letitia James and this New York state just did to Donald Trump? No, I mean, it's it's really hard to uh, see that uh, any any comparison to the weaponization of government power for political purposes. And, you know, Sid, I mean, it, it's on one hand, we should be used to it. I mean, January 6th, the way that was weaponized for the Democrats, many people getting very harsh prison sentences for crimes that are nowhere near the murder and things that Alvin and Bragg... By the way, to your, point, to your point, some of those people are still in prison. Some of those people are still in solitary confinement for putting yeah. their feet up on somebody's desk. And you've had Democrats compare January 6th to 9-11. That's all you need to know. Yeah, well, and, and with Letitia James, uh, she campaigned on getting Donald Trump. So I think in many ways, this is the most egregious abuse of power, because this is what she said she would do on the campaign trail, and this is what she has done in office. Now, I mean, the, the two things are shocking in separate ways, right? That she would campaign on getting an individual and then publicly go into office, do it, go to this this. Uh, you know, show trial that was held over the the civil forfeiture and sit there every day and then come out and make comments. I mean, the whole thing, no jury. Uh, the judge finds he is liable for fraud before the the testimony even begins. Correct. I mean, the whole thing just feels like a kangaroo court. And it's the sort of thing that America said doesn't happen in America. Right. I mean, I ask you this. I mean, right, when you when you go into a courtroom, whether it's a crime on the street or, in this case, a white-collar crime, what's the one thing there always is? The answer is a victim. Okay. Well, the banks made tons of money on interest. They never complained. No. He, they, they, they have his Mar-a-Lago estate at $18 million. It's worth about $400 million. So how can you possibly have a ruling like this when there is no victim? How? And and she continues. I'm going to confiscate the buildings if he doesn't uh, start to pay. I mean, it's it's a ruthless approach that she has taken, and this is what the Democratic Party has been doing. I mean, just think of this too, Sid. I know it's somewhat extraneous, but there are at least 12 states where there were efforts to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> and they say he's going to destroy democracy. <laughs> What's more uh, undemocratic, if that's a word, than that, right? I mean, beat him him on election day in these courts, and thank God it'll never happen because that's why we have a Supreme Court in place. But, boy, are you right. He's going to destroy democracy, but the Democrats want to keep him off the ballot. I mean, it's it's laughable. It really is. Yeah, we have to protect democracy by not letting people vote (laughs) for the person of their choice. Uh, let me tell you, when it's all said and done, Mike, you got another book coming one day. It's going to be great. 
<laughs> I love you, pal. It's a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. My pleasure. Thank you. Really you really are great. He is great. That is a terrific conversation. And that's why he's the best. New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin. Still more to come. Don't forget you get the extra bonus hour of me today that kill me. He's still on vacation. And we'll go live to Jerusalem. My friend Alex Trayman, he works at JNS.org. That is your best place for information on the Israeli Hamas war every day. That's where we did our show from those four days a couple of weeks ago. So we'll talk to Alex Trayman next hour. But first, a little more White Snake. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. 77 WABC. I thought he said Uvaldi for some reason. So they shot up all those no, no, kids. No, 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 no. What did you say? I said out of all of the out of all of these, yeah. ones yeah. that I was looking for, right, Australia. Right. Yeah, of, Australia. Okay. Of, of, of O3. So Miranda Devine gets to God enjoy it. I'm sorry. These guys were better than everybody else. They were better than Nirvana. They were better than Stone Temple Pilots. My they were friends, better than Creed. And my friends said uh, live, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable, right? Yeah. But I think they're all still alive. Uh, Eddie's still alive. So. Yes, they're alive. They're really good, bro. No? Did you ever see the movie Singles? I don't remember. It took place in the in Seattle. Oh, it did? It's a while ago. And Matt Dillon is in it? Matt Dillon plays... A guitarist in a band. No, I didn't Bridget, see it. Bridget Fonda is in it. Oh wow! No, I never saw it. Yeah, yeah. it's about these uh, guys, all these people who. Oh, uh, uh, Kyra Cedric is in it. Too. Oh, Kyra. So it's about the band, and Pearl Jam is the backing band for Matt Dillon. 
They're actually in the movie. Yes. Like and, like Madonna was in yeah, that movie in, with Matthew Modine. Uh, yes. Stone, uh, Stone and no, Jeff no. Arment are in the band, so. Oh, Pro Jam. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. There's a review of the band, and Matt Dillon gets gets killed in the review, but the other three guys they who got, are, yeah. yeah, he's supposedly the lead singer. That's so. right. I remember the, the first time I went to Seattle was with Scott Kaplan. So it was either 98 or 99. And they had the baseball all-star game at the Kingdom in Seattle. We weren't there for that. We went for the PGA Championship in golf. And um, it was in a place called Sahali, Washington, which is not far from, um, maybe it was Bellevue, Washington. Maybe it was Bellevue. I, I get confused. But we went to Seattle. You know, we saw the Big Needle. We saw the Kingdom, all that stuff. Saw Frazier? No, he didn't see Frazier. But we went back. It was a very rainy night. I remember this. Because Seattle is like London. It rains all the time. But we were there twice. Twice. For the baseball and for the golf. And the weather was gorgeous. In fact, we stayed in a city close to Seattle that's like a, um, it's like Montauk. You know, it's on the water. It's beautiful. I think it's called King's. Son of a bitch. My memory's shot. I'm like Biden. I really am. Hey, listen, Jeff. I, I don't remember, I, I don't remember anything. But we, we stayed in this uh, cute little kind of a waterfront place, not far. And we went into Seattle for a steak dinner. And it was a, a rainy night. It was miserable. And um, we went into a bar after dinner. And there was some band you never heard of. Never heard of these guys. Were Bunch you of young kids. Kirkland? Or... Kirkland, yes. Is Thank it you. Yes. Is it? Isn't Kirkland by, it's by Seattle. Bellevue and Seattle? If it's, you look that up. Uh, yes. There you go. It's north. It's northeast of Seattle a little bit, but it's close. But, but by Bellevue also, Bellevue. Right? It's there you go. It's just north of Bellevue. Yes. Yes. Look at your memory. It's yes. amazing. <laughs> right. Memory's amazing. The PGA Championship was in Bellevue at this beautiful golf course. We went to Kirkland. But we went to Seattle, and this band, I'll never forget it. It's like 25 years ago. Bunch of kids, nobody famous. They were unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm like, I go to Scott, I go, there's your next Stone Temple Pilots. You know, there's your next Pearl Jam. Whatever. Alice in Chains. Yeah, Alice in Chains, another great example. All these bands were in that movie, Singles, too. They oh, were, they were all in it? Yeah, well, it was a, it was a Northwest... I gotta see this. Uh, uh, ...grunge kind of movie, so they go, out, they go out to these places... But they're all these people are all trying to hook up with each other. And well, what year was the movie made? Oh, late nineties or early two thousand, something like that. Is it's there sex wild. in the movie? Is there good sex? Um, let's see. Well, Matt Dillon. Yeah, nah, that, it's, yeah, yeah, it's all right. He's it's, all right. it's it's a good it's a funny movie. I'm going to check it out. It's funny. Singles, okay. I got, yeah, I, got I got me and Gabe are home alone. I don't think it's a father son type of movie though. Is um, it? he might be into it. The music, yeah, is he would like that. Yeah, Gabe. yeah. the music yeah. is really good. That's <laughs> Xavier. McDaniel, I think, was still on the Sonics at that point. So it is a while. Wow. Ago. That was before he became a great Nick. <laughs> yes. I loved uh, Xavier with the Knicks. So did I. I remember one time he actually made Scotty Pippen make duty right in his pants <laughs> on the court. You know, I'm going to slap your bitch face right there. I remember seeing him run across 7th Avenue. My friend and I were going to the game, but it was early. We were going to a bar first, and you saw Xavier McDaniel run across 7th Avenue <laughs> oh, wow. with a pair of sneakers. The X-Man. So he was running. Yeah. To oh, holding to his practice. sneakers. Holding his sneakers that were yeah. tied. Uh, Bobby Hartman's right. He says, uh, yes, Madonna performed crazy for you in that movie I was just talking about, Vision Quest. So we're wrapping up hour number four, but again, with Brian Kilmeade still on vacation all week, you get an extra hour of Sid and an extra hour of Curtis. So we'll come back. We'll go live to Jerusalem and do a heck of a lot more. Our fifth 
and final hour when we get back. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Thursday morning again. If you wait to hear Brian Kilmeade's voice, you got to wait till Monday because <laughs> he's been off all week and I've been doing this hour all week. And I love Brian. I miss Brian. I think he does a really, really good show. My ratings have been outrageous, but so what? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I like going home at 10 o'clock, 9 11. So I'm uh, looking forward to Brian coming back. But you get me for an hour, then you get Curtis for an hour. And then you get Curtis for another hour, and then you get Greg Kelly. So uh, the same will be tomorrow. I, I'm not sure yet if a former New York Met and L.A. Dodger great Mike Piazza, who will join me tomorrow to preview the Met season, will join me in the 9 o'clock hour or 10 o'clock hour. I didn't book Mike. I'm friendly with Mike. But actually, Joe Tacopina, the great defense attorney, Trump's old attorney, he booked Mike. And I'm going to call Mike into the show and We'll figure that out. But, you know, I was on Facebook last night on the way to the city to meet um, with somebody very famous. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Sure. You would agree, very famous. I would agree, uh, yes, yeah. and a very notable name for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know if you, you know. I beg him to shut up. They're more famous than you. Well, because you're going to say something. And, and I don't want to say Please say don't say much. anything else. I don't right? want to say too much. Please just be quiet. So I'm on, I'm on Facebook last night on the way to meet this person, and I see my friend Yehuda Honigman. He was uh, the man that reached out to Scott at One Israel Fund, and it was really because of Yehuda more than anybody else that we did that whole week from Israel. And then, of course, Alex Trayman stepped up in a big, big way because he gave us his studios. And I love Alex. So Honigman and his friend Aaron, you know Aaron, yeah. Love him, too. Great guy. They were hanging out with Michael Rappaport I know. last night. I saw that post. I thought I was, like, seeing something. I thought, Weird, I thought right? it was my brain yeah. playing tricks on me. I well, really everybody's did. copying me now, you know. Right, They're right, all right, copying right. me. It's unbelievable. But it looks like he did some sort of comedy show. He did. It was a stand-up routine. Right. And Mike's done a great job. So Mike wears, like, six, I'm not exaggerating, like, six chains around his neck. Jewish star, you know, the uh, the thing that I wear every day for the hostages. Right. I'm Yisrael Chai, mm-hmm. like six of them. So I just looked at myself in the, in the uh, what do you call this? Uh, this that's, little... that's a television. Mirror? Ah. Mirror. 
uh, glass. Yeah, no, but it's, it's um, television. Yeah. Let's go with television. Monitor. Monitor. That's what it is. Monitor. Monitor. It's a monitor. 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 There you go. That's the right answer. <laughs> Not television, you dick face. I said monitor twice. I s- well, thank you, Lewis. Okay. Thank you. I, I was just, too caught up with um, something else you said. I, I said I said Texas <laughs> first. Something. Right. So I'm looking at myself in a monitor. So today I'm wearing this skin-tight Joseph Abood cashmere sweater. And I've got a great body, so I look great. And But I'm wearing this really long. I have two chains on. One is underneath my sweater. That's the hostage one. And, and then I'm wearing this really long gold chain that was given to me by Scott from One Israel Fund at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, and it's a Jewish star. And I'm looking at myself going, I am just begging. i got to take two trains to get to the ferry. I'm just begging one of these pro-Palestinian mother effers, one of these Jew-hating cock essers. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the wrong word. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I don't know about that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just put that on your chain, yeah. too. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just begging these bastards to start a fight with me. Yeah, but you know they're not going to do anything. But I want them to. Yeah, but they're, they, they, that's not the kind of people that they are. They're cowards. They're not, they're not going to do anything. I'm actually considering taking out my second chain uh-huh. and wearing them both outside. Okay. Do it. We can call you Sid Two Chains. <laughs> that was funny. But then I started to look <laughs> then I started to look like some, some like Jewish rapper or something. Like it just Yeah, yeah. Because it looks kind of cheesy really. Yeah. I mean it's a Jewish star, it's a beautiful necklace, but nice. it looks kind of cheesy, right? Uh, no. Not no. the not the one, no. I, not actually, the one. I actually really enjoy the way that looks But if here. I take two of them out, then I become like Right. Like a Jewish rapper, like yeah, but like Rappaport can do that because he's just a you know he's a doofus, he's a comedian actor, right. he wears a stupid hat, you know the whole thing. Yeah, but I have to maintain some credibility. I speak to world leaders. Uh, okay, well, when you put it that way, if you could open your shirt a couple of buttons, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what you should do if you want people to bother you, put a, a yarmulke on your head and true, walk around. True, you know, what? somebody actually sent me a Trump yarmulke this week. Oh, <laughs> I, actually, I actually just have a, which is still, still in my bag, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you Right, Justin? Yeah. I have a logistical God. question um, for how do bald people keep their yarmulkes? It's on really there? hard, bro. Yeah, you the put pin like, suction on or the something. pin doesn't right. work. Yeah, you no, gotta well, get obviously suction. the pin doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna clip <laughs> it onto? I didn't need my physics. You put a little uh, double-sided tape on the inside. Yeah, and you that's just what they have something like. Stick that. it on there. Yeah. Right. See, if I, I was yeah. if I was like a really religious Jew, I would just crazy through the son of a bitch. I don't wear a yarmulke every day. You grow out your hair. You got a Trump yarmulke. Yeah. Is that oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's a beautiful red. Her name is Marion Quantorsi, I yeah. think. She's a listener. <laughs> and she sent me a beautiful red yarmulke. I love and, it. And, and the, the Trump is in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, Michelle Lubin down in Florida, the Jexit group. <laughs> right. They sent me a hat with Trump in Hebrew. And so it says, it, keep America great. In English yeah. yeah. Does it have his face anywhere? No, no, no. face. No. Oh, but right. I'm actively trying to, uh, you know. Com- commandeer that yarmulke. Well, where is it right now? <laughs> it's in my bag. Well, give it back to me. Before we go back to Tel Aviv, I'll never see it again. <laughs> you'll, take like that, it. you'll take that yarmulke like a hostage. Least, That'll be it. At least I can clip it onto my head. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the big merchandise on polarizing.com. <laughs> what? So here's what we're going to do. You guys are funny. This is one of the funniest shows we've ever done. I want to thank you guys. So we're going to do this. We're going to take a short break now. You're going to play some spots. I'm going to come back okay, wait, and talk on, to... I write this down. I'm on your third thing. Okay, and I'm going to talk it. to Alex Trayman. He's live in Jerusalem, JNS.org, and get all the latest from Israel, including... You ready for this? 
How unlikely for this guy to turn out to be a friend of Israel. It ain't Joe Biden. It's a different president. And his name is... Stay tuned. in friends in the morning entertaining and informative oh, you're my best friend 77 WABC Another great song, Louis 1021, Thursday morning. Alex Freeman is the CEO of JNS.org, and that's where we did our show from in Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago. And that's where the story comes from today, that that president I was talking about happens to be the president of France. Macron, believe it or not, is involved in facilitating a process through Qatar where France helped deliver important medication to 45 of our hostages. First of all, Alex, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to have you back. That's uh, that's a, a, a great story. I don't know if people realize that on that awful day back on October the 7th. And how do I know all this? Tell you how, folks. I read JNS.org every morning, JNS.org. 42 French people were murdered that day. And I believe they still have maybe two or three hostages. So the French were affected as well. But what a job by him, Macron, stepping up, yes? Uh, yes, uh, we're definitely still worried about uh, France's policies uh, with regard be. to Israel. Yeah. Both in, in Gaza, where where they continue, where they put sanctions on uh, residents in Judea and Samaria, places where you visited, uh, you know, where they have said that it wouldn't be a taboo for them to uh recognize the creation of a Palestinian state, which would be the abandonment of the land for peace formula and just give them land formula uh, without peace in return. And and also with regards to uh, the war in Lebanon, because France has uh, better contacts with the Lebanese government than any other country. Uh, and, you know, they're not uh, they, they're trying to avoid all out conflict, but but they're not getting Hezbollah to, to move their position to a place where it would be safe for Israelis to go back to their homes. So it sounds like while Macron gets some credit for this medication deal, that you know, the bigger picture, the larger scheme for folks are not all that caught up, France, can t- France, I should say, continues to be a very big problem for Israel. 
Yeah, France and, and the UK and the US all seem to be coordinated in their, their strategy uh, with regard to uh, Israel and the ongoing conflict. On the one hand, the Macron and Rishi Sunak and Biden all came to Israel, you know, put their flags next to the Israeli flag, uh, seemed to agree with Israel's position that Hamas needed to be removed from power. But it seems as though 138 days into the war that they're getting more and more frustrated uh, with Israeli positions and are putting much more pressure on Israel, uh, even behind the scenes, than, than is being put on in public. You gotta explain this to me, cause I'm not that smart. I'm really not. Um, again, I, I always say this, but it's true. I'm not that far removed from breaking down Eli Manning against the Redskins, you know. So, when the UN tries to put together the ceasefire deal, and the Americans veto it, the Americans go, we got our own plan. Okay. Let's say all these groups come up with all these plans, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, doesn't B.B. Netanyahu get to do whatever he wants, no matter what plan America comes up with, ceasefire and hostage negotiations and all these plans everybody's working on? Is it still not B.B.'s war? Well, it is B.B.'s war, but when you when you think about these other plans and recognizing Palestinian statehood, if the international community decides all of a sudden that all of Judea and Samaria, which is all the places where every story in the Bible took place, Jews are called Jews because they're from Judea, but the rest of the world doesn't want to call it Judea. They want to call it the West Bank, so it sounds like the Jewish people are not the indigenous people. When It's harder to do that if you call it Judea, because then everybody understands that. If they recognize Palestinian statehood in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria, now all of a sudden the Israeli military is operating inside another country, right? So then Israel has basically attacked this other country. If it has Jewish residents living over there, you know, so do they pay taxes to a Palestinian state? Like, how does that work? Uh, and, and we're seeing now with the executive order that was passed by the White House uh, just about a week ago or 10 days ago, which is now putting sanctions on what they call violent Israeli settlers um, or anybody that opposes U.S. policy on Palestinian statehood uh, in Judea and Samaria. What, what you're going to see is that the whole international community will say that it, Israel's not playing along. It's, it's violating uh, U.S. foreign policy. Policy, British foreign policy, and they can start to sanction, uh, brutally sanction the state of Israel, and shut it off from the international banking system, or remove investments. They, they can really penalize Israel a lot, and I, I think that that's what the plan is. Oh, my God. So, you know, I remember really distinctly, Alex, we started this relationship again Monday, October the 9th. Noam Layden, thank you, Noam. He introduced you to me. I put you on the air. I needed somebody live in Israel. You've been coming on live ever since. You gave me your studios. We had a beautiful Shabbat dinner in my family at your house in Jerusalem with Sippy and your beautiful children. And now you and I are very, very close. But I remember early on that uh, you came on after Biden spoke to the country and you said, yeah, yeah, he did good. I mean, we we feel like the United States is behind us. And almost every conversation we have, I feel compelled, I'm sorry to remind you, that even back then I said, no, 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 no. Don't, no, don't confuse the issue. This guy, he ain't your friend. And I think we're almost at the point now, five months later, where you wholeheartedly agree, 100%. Well, if you would have asked me on October 6th, I probably would have agreed with you on that day also. Uh, but what happened on October 7th 
it necessitated the need for U.S. support. And the hope in Israel was that, uh, yes, there's been a lot of pressure on Israel and uh, the policies towards Israel have actually led to the moment that was October 7th, but that the hope was there might be a mea culpa and that the United States would agree ultimately that uh, they need to support Israel with everything that they have in this war against Hamas. Now, as and we were all hoping that that would be the case. And the early signals were positive. Um, since that time, you know, we've seen they kind of are reverting back to where I was analyzing on October 6th. That, again, they're pushing policies which are going to be very, very harmful uh, to the Jewish state, even as they provide us weapons to, to fight against Hamas. You know, I sent you a story yesterday from the Wall Street Journal. And it was about Rachel Goldberg. And, and Rachel's been on this show now twice. but. Uh, you did me a huge favor and got her into the studios. I met her because of you in your studios in Jerusalem about a month ago, and she sat with me for about a half hour, and I love her, you know, and her son, Hirsch, is um, at the very least still a captive if he's still alive. God God bless him. And I sent you the story from the Wall Street Journal, and you sent me back, I can't imagine these people pain. And we're hearing more and more every day about more and more bodies that Hamas has. They're not alive, but Israelis always want the bodies back. They take that very, very seriously. So Hamas, we go from hostages to, well, we've got the body. So what is the widespread thought on these hostages? How many most people think are still alive, and how off are the numbers in the media? Well, I mean, the official count of remaining individuals that were kidnapped on October 7th that haven't yet been returned is, is 136. Uh, and it is being reported that, that probably at least 30 of them for sure uh, is known are, are not alive. And chances are that uh, even many more of those 30 are not alive. However, we are pretty certain that uh, many of the hostages are still alive and Israel recovered uh, to in a daring military operation last week, which was, was very exciting, gave a lot of hope uh, to all Israelis. But the reason why we believe that the, many of the hostages are alive is because these are the last bargaining chips that Hamas's leadership has. And he was speaking to uh, certain min ministers in the Israeli government and in the war cabinet. They told me that they are hopeful that uh, there might be some kind of plan uh, to trade hostages and allow some senior leadership of Hamas to to go to surrender and go into exile mm. and essentially uh, end the war. So I know, but you know, like, like uh, I, know, but I know you're hoping, but like when I watch uh, TV, not to compare this to TV, because this is very real and very scary, but you talk to the hostage just to make sure the hostage is alive. And they put the, they put the hostage on for one minute and they go, oh, my God, come get me. And then the bad guys come back on the phone. I mean, have we talked? To, it's one, I know Hamas says they've got them, so they've got some leverage, they've got some bargaining power. But have we talked to these hostages? How do you know they're alive? Yeah, so most of them, there hasn't been any kind of contact. Right. But, but again, but again, the the rescue of two hostages last week, you know, is an indication that there there are hostages alive. Well, I do where, think well, where do we think they are? Is, is this the whole thing about Rafa? Again, those two hostages that you uh, mentioned twice now were in Rafa, and we know that Biden told Bibi flat out, "Do not go into Rafa. Don't do it." And BB did it, and they rescued two hostages. It was a day of the Super Bowl, and the meme was, how's that for an effing touchdown? 
uh, Biden looks like a moron. So is it fair to assume that the rest of these hostages are there in Rafa? Yes, uh, most likely in, in Rafa and also in Khan Yunus. Uh, Israel did go into Rafa to to raid the place where the hostages uh, were, were located, but the, Israel hasn't uh, launched a major military offensive inside Rafa yet. And the United States is telling Israel that they have to uh, provide clearing for Gazan civilians who are now in Rafa. Now, Rafa is the further southmost city, southernmost city in Gaza. So, you know, and remember, Israel started in the north and they told the civilians or the citizens to move to the south. So and they've been pressing south and civilians have been moving south. So now almost the entire population of Gaza is in the greater Rafa area. And the United States is saying, well, you can't go in there because there's too many civilians. But they want Israel to give a plan for the civilians to leave. But what will happen when the civilians leave? Well, the same thing when the civilians uh, were told to move from the north. In addition to civilians, you're going to have combatants and terrorists moving uh, together with the civilians. And there's even stories of hostages who were smuggled down through the humanitarian corridors, dressed up as Muslim women in full hijab, that nobody should see who it is. And they got smuggled down the humanitarian corridor route. So oh even if the hostages now are in Rafa, if Israel allows civilians to go out, you can be certain that uh, Hamas leaders and, and hostages are going to be uh, shoveled out in the same passageway. Oh, my God. And then I heard, uh, you know, I read a couple of days ago, again, the uh, Alex Trayman does a tremendous job, JNS.org. That should be a one-stop shop for Israel. So that uh, Sinwar, this guy, the leader of Hamas, that Hamas basically has lost all their faith in him. They need a new leader because he's spending his days and nights with his wife and his kids running through the tunnels trying to avoid the Israelis. I saw a video. They've got video of Sinwar. Why can't they get him? And is that true that basically Hamas has lost all faith in him? Well, he, the reports are that nobody's been able to reach him over the past uh, couple of weeks. And so the questions are, is it possible that he's dead? Is it possible that he may have somehow been uh, able to escape the strip in, into Egypt or, you know, what, if he's descended further in, into hiding? Probably that video did not come from uh from an Israeli source, it probably came from a Palestinian source, which was either intercepted or or was sent and forwarded around. Um, we, we they ultimately don't know. They've gotten very close. They went into a layer that the Sinwar was believed to be in, and they found a lot, a lot. I don't remember exactly how much uh, cash, you know, piled up in safes and also weaponry there, and made it clear that the Sinwar had left very quickly. Uh, we don't know exactly when that took place, but all indications were he left quickly. I mean, he's like a rat running around yeah. in the sewer system that yeah. they built under Gaza. Yeah. At some point, Israel's going to close in on him, and they're going to get him. And either they're going to they're going to get him killed, or they're going to allow him to escape Gaza, potentially in some kind of uh, a hostage deal. So on the way out here, the news of the last two days here in the United States in New York is that now the effort in the north is becoming a real issue with Hezbollah and uh, Yemen, too, that Hezbollah and Yemen have stepped it up with Israel in the north. Is that uh, is that correct? 
Yeah, there this morning there were two anti-tank uh, precision-guided weapons fired and, and touched down inside Israel, causing damage but not killing anybody because Israel has evacuated tens of thousands of citizens uh, from near the Lebanese border. Houthis have fired on uh, additional commercial vessels uh, in, in the Red Sea and this morning even launched a, a cruise missile, which was intercepted uh, at Israel. But in addition to that, uh, you know, the, the, today we had a horrific terror attack just outside Jerusalem that with, uh three three gunmen with automatic weapons oh, opened no. up fire. You know, there was a basically, you know, we have checkpoints here to check cars going into Jerusalem and other Israeli cities. And and in rush hour, there, there's a lot of traffic. It's basically like like trying to go across a toll booth in New York City in rush hour, and it gets backed up. So what happened was that the three gunmen basically got out of a car armed and just started shooting oh at God. cars stuck in traffic and oh uh, killed one person, uh, injured 11 others, including a, a pregnant woman that was in serious oh condition that underwent a significant surgery, oh. uh, several in, in moderate condition. Uh, before they were taken out by uh, by people who were in the cars, you know, that had civilians with guns. Some of them, yeah. so the, some of them were military uh, yeah. or or police, but yes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you know, how, how far have, how far was that from your studios? Uh, it, you know, we're to the in the south section of Jerusalem. This was to the northeast of Jerusalem, so it'd probably be Jeez. like a half an hour drive. Half but, an hour. but our producer Zach. Uh, passes that that checkpoint whenever he comes to the office. I know Zach. Right so exactly. you know, you look just uh, last week. Uh, there was a terrorist attack. Gunman gets out, bus stop. Now that was closer to guys. I get it, but still, civilians murdered right there at the bus stop. Now you're telling me Jerusalem a week later. So you know, I, I never really felt unsafe, Alex. I got to be honest. Never felt unsafe. I heard the bombs down by Gaza. I had Arabs give me dirty looks and tell me to shut the f up right by the Western Wall. But I never felt unsafe. But I'm starting to feel like there are more and more terrorists that are there. You know, if they drive around with an Israeli plate, which they can get easily, then they can do whatever they want. I mean, is there a real fear that a lot of these terrorists? are still walking among you every day and these random attacks will become less and less random? Oh, absolutely. That's a huge fear. And specifically now as we get towards uh, the Muslim holy month of, of Ramadan, which is going to begin on March 10th, you know, this this holy month is, is a month that's holy for killing Jews uh, traditionally. And we've seen it many, many oh, times that in Ramadan, the amount of terrorism uh, just goes up and up. And, and why is that? In part because, you know, Muslims go into the mosques. And if you hear what the imams are saying in the mosques, they, they are spewing, you know, Viruan anti-Semitism in, in all of these mosques, and people go out uh, motivated, and, and they're also they're fasting during the day, and they get angry, and uh, it, this could happen. And I'll tell you the other thing which can make terror worse is anytime you make a push toward Palestinian statehood uh, here in Israel, it, the the ultimate result has always been more and more terror. So it's it's mm. a very dangerous time. And and you mentioned uh, you mentioned the fight in the north. I mean, if Israel. Oh, has to go to war, open war, and it's it's already been skirmishes for for four months with Lebanon. But if there's an open war, uh, it's going to be it's going to be dangerous uh, here in Israel. And round two could be a lot 
a lot more uh, risky for, for the state of Israel than, than round one in Gaza. Oh, my God. Stay safe. I mean, if you guys need a place to stay, we've got plenty of room in Queens. And I know Mordechai, for example, he likes to watch the Knicks. I'll take him to a game with Gabriel. And, you know, Sippy and Danielle can make dinner together on a Friday night. But um, on a serious note, just stay safe. And thank you for all that you do. JNS.org, folks, you got to read it like I do every morning. We'll do it again next week. I'll be in touch. Okay, thank you. This was great. Thanks so much, Sid. All right, Alex. I'm worried about these people. I really am. That's a good man. My friend Alex Treyman. And uh, now we're seeing more and more of these random attacks. Yeah. Guys got out of cars with guns and just kill people. It's like a weekly thing, man. Yeah. That's yeah. scary. And then, like you said, once this war escalates in the north, I don't know what that country is going to do. I don't know. War in the south. War in the north even bigger. Yeah. Judea and Samaria, they're fighting every day in Janine. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I mean, I have no doubt that. That they'll persevere in the win, but I mean, oh god! I mean, imagine, imagine. Win, you don't win that. They're gonna get, they're gonna suffer the suffer immense casualties. There'll be no wins. No, uh, I understand. Not like the Gulf War end, where we won. That we I you know, know that, but at the end of the day, Israel will be left standing. It's just a matter no. of, of what I'm not convinced about that. I'm not convinced. Huh? I am, but. Why don't you go? Why don't you go grab a gun like Pat Tillman and do something about it, bitch? I would, but I, I work for you, so I have to be here. I will allow you to go. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't, wasn't asking yes. for permission, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's what I thought. Oh, that, that one almost worked. Right? <laughs> <laughs> almost, he was there. In the morning. What you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! So it's uh, 10.47 in the morning. We've had such an unbelievable show today. Really, it's just been, it's been great. Great guests today, Bill White, Curtis Sleewood, Joe Beningo, Bill O'Reilly, Michael Goodwin, Alex Trayman. Ton of sports on today's show. Ton of laughs. And, of course, uh, great music, too. But at 10.47 in the morning, and this is when you know you're really old and really Jewish, Above and beyond this gaudy Jewish star I'm wearing today, and I was just on the phone with Alex in Jerusalem. I'm scared to death. I really am. I'm already thinking about dinner. I haven't even had lunch. 
It's not even 11 o'clock in the morning, but I'm already thinking about That's a Jewish thing. You know that, right? You know, I lived in uh, Florida for a very long time, very long time. Spent time in Hallandale, DeSoto Park, 2001 Atlantic Shores Boulevard by the Diplomat Hotel. Then I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. And it's always the same thing. You go to the pool and, you know, maybe you spend a minute talking about Trump, I guess. I don't know. Maybe a minute talking about football, I guess, and the Dolphins. And then you spend like an hour talking about food, you know. Who's got the rice pudding, the best one in Coconut Creek, and what's the best veal parmesan in Boca? Is it Mateo's or is it Vittorio Romano? That's all they talk about. That's it. There's, there's no, there's no such thing as a substantive discussion in Florida. No such thing. Which, you know, is actually okay every now and then. So here I am doing this huge radio show, huge, with the most listeners of any, any show here in this market. Just had this really serious conversation about a terrorist attack moments ago. Fatal terrorist attack in Jerusalem, where we were. We're not talking about Gaza or Lebanon. And I'm thinking about what could I possibly get for Gabe for dinner tonight so he doesn't yell at me. I swear to God. It's a very important decision. Yeah. yeah. Because the problem is, is I don't drive, you know, still. Right. Because, well, I, don't ask why. Why are you asking? I didn't ask anything. No. Uh-huh. I, I never saw that phenomenon, too. I, I never saw what, it. him driving? Never. <laughs> ever. No, no, no it's <laughs> true, because... I can't imagine it'd be great. I no. <laughs> no, because when Lou knew me, when I worked on IMIS in the early 2000s, I lived in the city. I didn't drive. I lived in Chelsea. And then I lived in Battery Park. Well, you know, that's not true. I moved to Tenafly. I drove every day. You didn't see me driving? No? It was only one year. I never yeah. saw you behind the wheel. So of a all car. I did was drive in and Florida. I know you a long time. Yeah, all you all you do when you live in Florida is drive. You can't get anywhere without driving. So right, I drove every day. But long story short, I haven't driven uh in uh, it's almost six years. So we are limited, Gabe and I, where we can eat dinner. Mm-hmm. So on one twenty nine, which Lou knows very well, it's only it's less than ten blocks from my house and we can walk there. Right. So we go to this Italian restaurant, La Sorrentino. We like it a lot. So does Lou. We go there. And then we go to some Mexican restaurant, Pico. Lou goes there, too. You know. <laughs> They're all on the same block. And then we go to this uh, Panino Rustico. He's on the same block, too, Robbie and Louie. Right. And then you run out of places, you know. Well, and, then... and you've never cooked anything uh, a day in your life, so that's not a possibility. God forbid you throw a chicken breast on a skillet. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but I remember when I, when I moved to Hallandale. There better be an adult in the house. <laughs> yeah, my God. Jesus. Are you kidding? Gabe, uh, how do you shut this off? I don't know how to do that. Oh, I, I would never even put the stove on. It would, I'm, I'm afraid it may blow up or something. Yeah. I don't know. Is the whole room supposed to be full of smoke? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my parents used to send me to uh, Hallandale for like a month. And um, they give me a whole bunch of money and be gone the first night because I, I lived a mile away from the dog track. <laughs> yeah. So I'd have to, uh, I couldn't eat. Swear to God. So I used to, uh, I, I learned how to make spaghetti with ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually isn't bad, to be honest with you. It's awful. Oh, yeah. my God. I used to love putting ketchup But I knew how to make this. it I, because yeah. all I had to do was uh, boil some water and throw the, the pasta in. And all I ran out of money. I couldn't buy sauce, even ragu. Yeah. So I had to use ketchup. Okay, well, that's when you have no money or you're in prison. That's when. You well, I was that. close to me. I mean, I had the pool by day, but 
You know, what I did at night just to get a drink at the bar and even want to tell you. <laughs> it's much less than zero. Okay, Julian, yeah, I was just going to say. Anyway. You owe me a lot of money, Julian. Get over the pool. Come on, Julian. <laughs> Julian. Come on, Julian. I've, I've heard this before, Julian. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan's nice. He drops off roast beef every once in a while, but I don't know. I'm getting fat. I don't want to do that either, so. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. the Italian food. Well, this whole conversation went nowhere. <laughs> you guys are no help at all. <laughs> well, yeah, were you trying to yeah. solve a problem? Yeah. Well, yes, I was hoping for some okay. type of advice, but, we, we, you, know, you know, I swear to God, I, you know, more and more, I know exactly what Imus was saying over the years. Because he would do the same thing. He would rely on me and you and Bernie, and it would be the same. You would just laugh at him and make fun of him for 10 minutes, and nothing would get done. We gave you a solution. You just don't want to do it. Learn how to cook. I can't just learn how to cook. I'm 70 years old. Of course you can. <laughs> no, he's, I don't want him to do any. I don't want him to drive. I don't want him to cook. I don't want to pick up any. It's better that way. No right. implements You're in right. his hand. It's better no. that way. No. Just come in here. Right. Drag me far enough to know. I'll find every mile that you burn. There's a rider that's falling in. It's clear there's no time to return And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. for you. This is Hysteria. What a great song and what a great job by Lou Ruffino today, all day long. Five hours. Lou Ruffino, take a bow. Justin Ellick, take a bow. Noam Layden, take a bow. A heck of a lot of fun today, too, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. Got one more day tomorrow of a five-hour Sit and Friends in the Morning show. We leave you in very good hands with two straight hours of the great Curtis Sliwa. Until Greg Kelly comes your way at 1. So from my whole crew to all of you, New York City, until a Friday 6 a.m. show, Def Leppard, Hysteria, peace!